the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. With sports leagues inching closer to return, there's no better place to keep up with everything happening than The Athletic. Their newsroom delivers all access, reporting, and powerful stories you won't find anywhere else. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get personalized feed of great content built around you as a fan. No ads, no clickbait, just sports coverage that brings you closer to the heart of the game. Visit theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first year subscription today. Happy Monday. My name is Mike Trinetti. Hope you had a good holiday weekend. As The Athletic says, we are inching closer to sports. Not without issues, though. We'll leave that for somebody else to discuss. But boy, are the uh, the tests flying around. There's plenty of arguments being made on both sides of this. It's going to be a dogfight down to the uh, really the end of July here where three or four of these leagues are getting ready to roll. The good news is, man, Europe is is kind of leading the charge with all of this. They uh, they just had a, a clean weekend of Premier League testing. And really that sport is just outside of the lack of fans. It's just kind of going forward, full speed ahead. They've already crowned a champion, but other than that, it's been really entertaining. Bundesliga finished off with zero positive cases. So there, there's really some promise. And obviously soccer is a is an intimate contact sport. So that's a, a pretty good barometer to look at when – the country as a whole has some, you know, the virus somewhat tempered. If we can get to that stage in the next couple of weeks, I think there's at least a, a foundation to build off of, but we shall see lots of issues with baseball. We're going to discuss that quickly. And then a little bit on a couple of NFL free agents. And then we're going to bring in Scott Allen to the hip parade hotline and discuss really what's been a very interesting NFL offseason. put aside COVID put aside the revenue side of this, and of course, all the the health and safety, but just from a transactional standpoint, it's been a really interesting team by team breakdown of the off season. I threw a piece up last week, sort of at least teasing that a little bit on a team by team basis, you know, maybe moves that were made, trades that were made, those kind of things. We're going to go into a little bit more detail with Scott and sort of dive into each team and how it looks and maybe what's, what's still to come. Cause like I said, we're going to talk about a couple of free agents here that remain unsigned not that it's a mystery that they're unsigned because it's, I don't think anything is as it should be right now with any sport, but the, uh, you know, Jadavian Clowney stands out like a sore thumb right now. The fact that he went from a $20 million per year man 12 months ago to asking for 17 to 18. And now, we're, yes, there are teams interested, but I, I can't imagine that happens. So we'll get to there in a couple of minutes. I mentioned the hip parade hotline. We did, we ran a great contest over the week here leading up to the 4th of July with Hit Parade and David Adams Card World. Gave away a free autographed official MLB jersey. And I'm going to announce the winner of that right now. I'll also tweet it out and we'll be in conjunction with David Adams Card World contacting this person directly. And of course, you know, we'll get it on Twitter as well, what that jersey is and all that good stuff. The winner of the autographed jersey is Dan Morgan at OutOfHere333. Great, great comment. Great opening day story. Had me laughing. Had my daughter laughing. She helped me pick this one. So thanks to everybody who posted, commented, shared, liked all that good stuff. We were really thrilled to be able to partner with Hip Parade and give somebody a free autographed jersey. We'll, we'll try to do this again as these more and more sports open up, uh, you know, certainly with the NBA, I think. And then as the NFL season gets here, if we get here, we'll try to uh, 
continue to part with them in this way. I think these contests are a great way to obviously bring people together and hear some great stories as well, because we're all fans who, who uh, some of us are doing this maybe more full-time than others, but we're all just sports fans in the end of it. So as sports come back, we'll try to celebrate it like that. So congratulations to Dan Morgan. I'm not yet sure what the Jersey is going to be. And I'm sure the hip parade collection will uh, provide us with that information. And of course him, that information as soon as we know, but Again, thanks to them. Thanks to everybody who commented, and we will uh, continue to do this. So keep keep an eye out for that going forward. All right. Let's start with baseball. Uh, like I mentioned, there's there's a lot of back and forth on both sides, people who are nervous to play. I think everybody's nervous to play. I don't think any – I mean, I'm starting youth sports tonight with my a couple of my daughters here in the western New York area where, you know, things have been hopefully not deceivingly tempered, but we, we're at a pretty good point right now in New York State. So some of the youth sports have decided to go forward on a, on a modified level. We're going to start that tonight. And, you know, with that comes some, there's concern. I have concern as a, as someone who helps out coaching wise and have concern for the kids who are all going to be together, even though there's some restrictions, but I can't even imagine, uh, you know, the livelihood of major league baseball players who are going to leave families. Many of them have pregnant wives, pregnant girlfriends, all that stuff right now, because, be fair that's just how it is when you're young but you start in families you're you know get some money and you, you get some stability and that's what you do so there's a lot of scenarios like this going around the league and you can understand that the concern isn't just about playing baseball or even making a living right now it's bigger than that so everybody's going to have their own story we've seen uh, i guess i don't have a total number but I, I i'd venture to guess it's about 15 official opt-outs a couple with the nationals the big ones would be ian desmond david price Nick Markakis, those are your higher paid players who've decided to opt out right now. Price the biggest. Um, he started with a $32 million salary this year, split between Boston and the Dodgers. And that would have been down to about $12 million, which he has opted to forfeit. So he's, uh, he's definitely one of those guys that's always kind of drummed to his own beat. So he was going to be a candidate for this because you know he was going to have a real personal stance on it. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. This is, this is a very personal decision, as I mentioned last week on the show. And I do think that we'll see plenty of more of these opt-outs. I know Chris Bryant's been very vocal with the Cubs today. We did have a couple of more high-profile names, Test Positive and Joey Gallo. Um, I believe Juan Mancata might be as well. I, I saw some rumblings of that on Twitter not too long ago. So, look, the, the, the cases are there. Uh, do I think we're at a point where baseball needs to pull back and stop? That's not for me to decide. Uh, I think that initial testing that came up, while it did lack, it wasn't complete testing. But that, you know, the 1.2% positives off that initial test, that's a pretty good number. My guess was many people were targeting more closely to the 5%, which I think is where the NBA lived. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the first round of NHL was also up there as well. So it was low from a Major League Baseball standpoint. But as these practices have started and spring training has gotten going on a small degree here, the cases have sort of piled up, whether that's a a lack of initial testing or late results or whatever it is, or, or simply there's just been some, some passing of the buck, which that's how this thing operates. Uh, we're going to continue to see that. And we saw that, by the way, early with the, with the EPL. I mentioned the Premier League on the top here. Uh, this isn't unique. Um, you know, I, I'd venture to say that America is maybe in a little bit worse spot than the other countries were when they started opening sports. So to some degree, USA is sort of on their own island with that because I, I don't I don't know that many of your experts would say they feel comfortable with sports opening right now, but I also don't think that's going to stop them. We uh, 
we just understand, you know, anyone who listened to this understands the, the business side of this and the financial side of this. And you can, you can really only, only go so long without getting these things off the ground to some degree, certainly without fans. But uh, my guess is if there's even an inkling of effort, they're going to make it happen. They're going to play ball. So I don't think baseball is going to pull back just yet. But if this continues down this path, certainly they're going to have to consider it. We're still 20 days away from opening day really for all the leagues. That's baseball. That's going to be basketball and hockey. I believe they approved their business, the business side of it this afternoon. So we'll see. And all of that, all of that, of course, leads up to the NFL and the college football season. One thing on college football, we met, we've mentioned it a few times, and I, I really have started to see uh, a, b- a bit of a snowball effect with the idea of fo- college football moving to the spring. I really do think that's going to get some steam and it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, what you want to do is you want to have, you want to allow universities to be able to treat their academic year however they need to, safely, uh, effectively, from not, not just from the student standpoint, but from faculty. I mean, the faculty are really the ones who are going to be in the thick of this thing. So I th- believe you've already seen Harvard come out and say they're going to be completely online in 2020, 21. So students will be completely remote. You know, that's, that's not going to bode well for, for athletics. They're probably going to play athletics whenever that becomes possible, but there won't be students on campus. So I believe we'll see more of that. And I do think you need to separate fall academics from fall sports just to make it easier on the people who, who run the show. I understand the business side of it is going gonna, is gonna to hurt if there's, you know, no college athletics through the fall. But I, I just really think from not just not just college, but I think even many of the high schools are going to follow suit as well and have to cancel fall sports through the rest of 2020. And then hopefully, you know, we push into a winter, there's a vaccine of some degree, and then the spring can sort of be more wide open. And, and if that's the case, and we have to have pretty much all sports in the spring, yes, there'll be conflicts. Yes, it'll be crazy and chaotic, but uh, everybody will feel a little bit better doing it. And I think to some degree... It can also be extremely good. I mean, we're going to have essentially, like I mentioned, three professional opening days simultaneous this this week. So imagine that also being the case for college sports, maybe around the March area. And, uh, you know, again, it'd be chaotic, but I really do think that's going to start to pick up steam as schools from an academic standpoint really push to struggle and have difficulty understanding the best approach because... I know sports pays the bills at that level, but there's going to have to be a breaking point in my opinion. So we'll see something to keep an eye on. I'm I'm certainly not the church of this. It's just, I've been reading awful an awful lot as many of us have been. And I feel like the arrows are pointing in that direction that things will get pushed at least from an athletic standpoint to a more reasonable timeframe. And it could be a big, one big conglomeration of college sports. So bittersweet could be positive and negative to that. All right. Uh, so with the opt-outs, I just wanted to give some quick details. There's really not much to give. It's kind of self-explanatory. If you opt out, if you electively opt out, Ryan Zimmerman, Ian Desmond, like I mentioned, David Price, to name a few, you just don't get paid. None of your salary. I, I understand that some of the salary has been advanced. I have not been able to confirm if they're allowed to keep that or if that's going to get paid back or if that's going to get pulled from 2021 salary which I think was a possibility as well. There was a lot of back and forth on that, what, how those salary advances were going to get treated. It's possible that 
you know, David Price has been already been advanced $2.5 million. And whether or not he gets to keep that or not, based on how the season plays out, we'll see. Uh, my guess is, my, my logical educated guess would be, because he's electing to not play in 2020, and this is 2020, I understand it's 60 games and, you know, 80 days or whatever, which is a, a semblance of what it should have been. But my guess is that he's going to have to pay that back, whether that's cash now or, like I said, pulled from a, a, a future salary because he has elected out of 2020. And the advance came from the 2020 salary, $32 million split down to 60. Like I said, is about $11.8 which is what he's forfeiting. So my guess is that, that in no shape or form Will you, will you get a paycheck from Major League Baseball in 2020 if you opt out voluntarily? If you're a high-risk player, just you individually are considered a high-risk player. If you've had a previous condition, you know, things like that. Generally speaking, your, your file already, already dictates if you are or not. Uh, and certainly there's testing and all that to make sure that Major League Baseball goes through their due diligence. But I'm, I'm, my guess is there's a handful of players that, this, that qualify for this and if they opt out for that reason, because they are high risk, they can get paid. They will accrue a year of service time if that matters to them. Obviously, for the veterans that I mentioned, Price and Zimmerman, you know, accruing the year really doesn't mean much outside of the pension. So that, that does matter. If you, you want to vest your full 10 years, you know, certainly that will, that will affect some of those players, those veterans that are thinking about that long term. Uh, but, you know, Opting out for a pregnant wife or, uh, you know, a parent that has a condition, a medical condition, uh, you know, that doesn't do it. That doesn't qualify you as high risk because your immediate family has an issue that you're concerned about. That, that would qualify you as a voluntary opt out, no salary, no accrued year. So just so you understand the, the scenarios here, you know, the, the guys that I mentioned, the prices and the Zimmermans, they're just flat out saying, I'm in a financially stable spot right now. I can, ha- I can, I have the ability to do this. Certainly. I mean, Price and Zimmerman have both uh, covered a hundred million dollars in career earnings here. So it's a little easier for them to just punt on a 2020 salary in totality. You know, the younger guys who have been at or near minimum, yes, they make great money in the grand scheme of things, but you know, the prorated 60, 60 game salary is not going to be much but it's still going to be more than they generally would make elsewhere. You know, these guys aren't all getting sneaker deals and, and pizza commercials and things like that. Those are, those are a lot more rare than I think we, we sort of think. You know, Once I dove into this stuff and I started to see just how much advertising and sponsorship deals were out there, it's really targeted to a specific group of athletes. It just doesn't spread as, as, as much as, we, as I think we want it to, and I'm certainly sure as agents would want them to. You know, there's small little autograph signs and things like that where they can make a couple of bucks. But from a livelihood standpoint, there's only a handful of athletes that really bank in on the endorsement stuff. So while that's there, for some, the 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 buy you know the biweekly paycheck is a big deal. The playing paycheck's a big deal. So you're not going to see too many of those guys on near minimums just opt out because they haven't had the financial security that many of these veterans have already locked in. So just from a reasonable standpoint, but that's, that's the deal. If that, if that player is personally a high risk, they can opt out with pay. Otherwise, for whatever reason, just flat out, doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't want to do it this year, wants to wait till 2021 to make sure things are a little bit safer. No, no pay, no accrued year. Same goes for opting out for family reasons. Same deal. 
So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll certainly be tweeting those out as soon as they come in. I'm sure there's a few more here while we do the show. That's just kind of how things are rolling right now. There's been nonstop news on how these athletes are preparing for this upcoming season. And obviously the health side of it is the big one. Today's episode is also brought to you by Dynasty Owner. Do you think you're smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Build a roster of players using their actual NFL contracts and salaries. Can you build a winner while staying under the salary cap? Go to DynastyOwner.com and join a league today. Win cash prizes and compete in the chase for the ring. Tell them Spotrack sent you and you'll get an extra bonus after joining your league. Dynasty Owner has been great. They've been a great partner for a couple of years now. I was happy to hop on a show with them last week and kind of go over all things NFL contracts, understand their system a little better. We're going to have a, our own team inside of Dynasty Owner this year competing with some of the owners and some other, some other big wigs that play this, this style of fantasy football. This is a lot of fun. Obviously, the rookie drafts and, and the salary cap side of it, they use the average salary to kind of make things a little easier, but it's still pretty competitive. You've got to build yourself a pretty deep roster and keep yourself under their mandated salary cap. It's great. It's been a lot of fun to kind of get to know these guys. And I had a great episode on their show last week. So check that out as well. Visit DynastyOwner.com for all the info you need. Today's episode is also brought to you by Hit Parade. Have you ever wanted to take a shot at a $12,000 Michael Jordan rookie card or a $1,600 autographed Tom Brady helmet for just a fraction of those prices? Hit Parade is the premier authentic autographed sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the country. Take a shot at getting an autographed item from the biggest names in all of sports. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Zion Williamson, Mike Trout, and plenty more. Get your box today at Hit Parade's exclusive online provider, dacardworld.com. That's dacardworld.com. No one has more hits than Hit Parade. And joining us on the Hit Parade hotline, Scott Allen, the other spot track guru. Scott, happy fourth. Welcome back. Hopefully you're uh, back on track with things. I know it's always chaotic, but this was extra special this year with the restrictions and the everybody staying home kind of stuff. I don't know about you around there. I know you live in a little development area over there. Fireworks everywhere. Oh yeah, they were. Yeah. And nobody yeah, had our, a place our, to go for town. the big ones, you know, so you had to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Our town puts on a nice uh, fireworks display and they moved it this year and we were able to walk about uh, 400 feet from my house and watch them in really good view. So Sounds good. All right, let's get to some sports. I mentioned in the open, I discussed some of these free agents. I'll do that with you here to start. The big one's Jadavian Clowney, of course, who remains unsigned. We kind of know where he's come from and where he is now. He started off as a $20 million man not too long ago. I mean, he was one of the top-rated PFF players in terms of edge defenders. Yes, he had injuries, but he stayed clean in 2019. But what he didn't do is sack the quarterback in 2019. His trade to Seattle really switched his role maybe put him in a, in a more comfortable situation, which is why I think so many of us think he will end up back in Seattle, even though there's maybe four or five other suitors minimum right now. But what, what we definitely know, and it's not just social media smoke and mirrors, is that not only is, is he not a $20 million guy, he's maybe not even a $17 million guy. It sure, certainly sounds like the offers that are coming in, and there's another one today from the Raiders, are pretty low ball. And that's what you're going to get in July 6th. That's how the off-season operates. That's why... 
Cam Newton at a million and a half didn't surprise anybody who kind of watches these contracts because you just don't get powerhouse contracts this late in the year. So Scott, I'm going to ask you, who's kind of on the outside looking in, you know, knowing everything I just said, and we've had, we've said it before, what's the team and what's the price for Jadavian Clowney? Ooh, team, not, not sure on that. Browns appear I, to have the highest bid. If I can help you with that. Mm, that that's interesting. I think it might come down to, you know, maybe eight, nine million, somewhere in there. And perhaps it's going to be a team that we get closer to the season and one of their defensive players comes down with the virus or can't play or an injury happens because they're not going to have preseason games and they're going to need a defensive player and they may have to up the ante to get him to come in because they're going to need it at that point. Sure. That's fair. I mean, that would be, that's essentially what Seattle paid him last year is about seven and a half with that split franchise tag. Um, I think for his sake, I'll go a little bit higher than that uh, because my guess is he's not going to accept a one year. If, if he would have accepted a one year, I bet he would already be signed. I bet somebody would have gone one for 18 on him some, to some degree. Uh, I know Tennessee really wants him, and they're just waiting for that p- price to drop in, you know, Patriots sort of style there. My guess is Seattle's doing the same. That, you know, they're in touch, but they have a number. And, and if it gets as low as you think, Scott, I think Dallas is the team. I know Dallas wants him. Mm. I know he wants Dallas, but Dallas just doesn't have the ammunition right now in terms of cap space or really cash with the contracts they've had to pay out over the past 18 months. So that if it gets to that point, it's going to be Dallas, in my opinion. Uh, whereas Cleveland probably still has the best contract offer on the table, and it sounds like the Raiders did a similar version of the Browns offer, but at a much lower rate. I looked at some contracts today and I did some comparisons in terms of analytics today as well with, with Clowney because two years ago versus 2019 are completely different analytic versions of Jadavian Clowney. But to me, that should benefit him. It should show that he's malleable, that he can do both, that he can pass the, you know, that he can rush the passer as needed. He can maybe move across that defensive line. These are the kind of guys teams should be looking more for when, as, as really look, here's what's going to happen. I, 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 I've heard some things recently and I really wanted to do a whole show on it, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, we've talked a lot about how important the interior of the offensive line has become because of players mm-hmm. like Aaron Donald and Chris Jones who are so versatile inside and out. And I just wonder if teams will, will see Jadavion Clowney in that, in that breath soon. He has shown now that he's, that he can bounce in and out. Now it didn't, what it didn't do is it didn't, it didn't become both at the same time. And that's the difference between Aaron Donald and really anybody else in the league. He can, he can be the best run stuffer and the best pass rusher in consecutive plays. That's, that's freaking nature stuff. I mean, you just don't get that. But there's a, there's a modified version of that that I think lives in Jadavian Clowney, and that is valuable right now. That is what teams are paying for. That's the premium price. Because if you're looking at Trey Flowers and, and uh, a couple of the older guys that, that just signed recently around him, even D Ford, and that contract in San Francisco, there were rumors they wanted to trade out of that already because you get the player, you see how sort of, you know, one trick pony it is, which, you know, it leads to sacks and that's what you want. That's what's getting paid for right now. But are you, what are you paying for? What are you paying 18 million a year for if, if they can just put a left tackle up against him and shut him down? 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. a guy like Aaron Donald or somebody who can play inside and out, you really can't game plan for that player. It's more of, you know, smoke and mirrors. We can, we can line them up here, but have them rush here. We can line them up on the outside and have something else happen. The versatility is really what should cost the most. It's where we're going with running backs. If you're just a, yeah. a, 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 you know, a ground and pound running back, you're getting a million dollars. But if you're versatile, like an Elvin Kamara or a McCaffrey, and you've got a, a hand in both the pass and the run game, that's going to get you some money. So I, I see the same happening with the defensive line. And look, the issue of three, four, four, three, all that, I keep seeing that as well. I just don't, I don't buy into that stuff anymore. Everybody plays flex co- complex defenses now. So I don't, I don't really understand how you could even evaluate a player in that, in that regard anymore. It's, but this is what we do know. And this is the last point I want to make. What we do know is that GMs and teams operate off of sacks. If Jadavian Clowney had 10 sacks last year, he'd probably have $20 million right now. He didn't. He was more of a reserved role player, more of a, a run stuffing coverage kind of linebacker in Seattle being asked to do what he was asked. And uh, his price is, is paying for it. Shaq Barrett, <laughs> who was on a French, or who was on a, a one-year prove-it deal in Tampa Bay, had 19 and a half sacks last year. He's on a franchise tag right now. Tampa Bay probably isn't going to extend him. They're going to let him play out that franchise tag. But if a guy who had 19 and a half sacks last year is sitting there waiting for a contract, what the heck does Jadavian Clowney have? You know what I mean? That's... <laughs> yeah. That's the extremes right there. So I just think that a shift in mindset with how these defensive line linemen are, may be paid over the next couple of years. And Chris Jones is up for a contract. So we'll see how that plays out. That's kind of right in front of us now. But we'll see. I, I'm interested to see if he picks team over money. I think that'll be very important well, because uh, the contracts, let me just finish here, Scott. The, the contract that I evaluated against Clowney ended up being Robert Quinn who's 30 years old. The Browns just gave him 70 million, but it's really two years, 30 million. So 15 million a year. He was, he's drafted, I believe 13th overall, obviously Clowney was the number one pick, but when you kind of go back and forth and they're the inconsistencies of their careers, it se- they seem very similar to me. And I know Quinn was very highly regarded in Dallas and Dallas just flat out couldn't re- afford to keep him. Uh, I wonder if something like that, maybe a two for 30 is where Clowney ends up. I know that's a lot higher than what you're anticipating here, but mm-hmm. again, that would be maybe the Browns or the, or even the Titans if they want to flex their muscles a little bit. But to your point, if he wants to go win some ball games, it's Seattle, it's Dallas. It's one of those teams who we know are going to be right there at the end of it. And you're going to have to take away less to do it. That's the point. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, in, in his situation, I, I think you've got to go with the team and not the money. You almost, in, in his case now, has to do a, a prove it kind of deal. Sure. Take what you can get. Pick a team that is a, a stud team that can probably get you deep into the playoffs, at least on paper, and then show what you can do. But you all, he also needs to look at what kind of situation he's going to be in as far as playing time. I mean, when I look at his statistics here, his snap percentage dropped drastically. I mean, he was in the upper eighties and nineties the last two seasons before the 2019 season. And then he dropped to 57% snap percent. I mean, so if if you were to extrapolate that, he probably could have gotten upwards, maybe closer to nine sacks. I mean, he did have four force fumbles and an interception 
But if he is able to pick a team or a team wants him that he fits in really well, and like you said, he's, he's flexible. So if he can go and do a prove it deal, he may be able to uh, trump that in the following year with a multi-year deal. You know, the snap count is really interesting. It's a really good point to bring up because Seattle's not dumb. <laughs> I'm sure they, they would have loved to use him three downs every, every series. But this is a guy who's had multiple injuries. This is a guy who they know has miles on him right now. And you've got to temper that. You've got to be able to, to slow play that so you can keep him on the field, which Seattle did. They kept him on the field. So however that reserved role system, you know, made him feel or, or, or tanked his value heading to free agency here, it also worked. It was successful for both Seattle and for his overall health. There's a website out there, Scott, called sportsinjurypredictor.com. I have absolutely no idea how they get their numbers. I'm sure it's back and forth. They track all the injuries and they run analytics on, you know, essentially a percentage of of if this player is going to get injured in the upcoming season. Jadavian Clowney's percentage, you know, analytical percentage of injury in 2020 is 55%. More Mm. than half. Cam Newton is 40. Wow. So that's a huge factor. I mean, take that for what you will. Grain of salt, of course, but you know, of course, front offices are doing that kind of diligence too. And if they've got those kind of similar numbers, then that's exactly why it's July 6th and and Clowney doesn't have a contract right now, because there's no way you're paying somebody upwards of 15 million plus a year. If there's a more than 50% chance, you're not going to have them for 16 games. That's just life in the NFL. So, you know, younger, cheaper, healthier. That's the way everybody's going right now. And Clowney's, that's a bad situation for Clowney to be in. Um, Here's what's interesting. You, you and I follow Joel Corey quite a bit, the former agent who's a, a great follow on Twitter, at Corey Joel. He put, he put out a, a piece, I believe, early March, so before really all this started, and he opened with, Jadavion Clowney's the only true pass rusher on this market. Everybody else got a franchise tag, got re-signed with their current teams. He was on an island, and generally speaking, when, when you're the best player in your position, ready to hit the open market, you are about to make a boatload of money. I mean, Corey's a evaluation was $23 million a year for Clowney. And really, that was why. Because he's proven in the past that he can rush the passer. Because he's proven now that he can be a, you know, a role player, too, as needed. He's being a good soldier, really, in any, any situation he's been given. And Corey had him basically as the highest-paid defensive player in the history of football because he's the best option in free agency. And there's a, everybody wants more pass rushers. It's July 6th, and Clowney doesn't even have a contract yet. And it's not often that guys like like uh, Joe Corey miss like that. And I don't think he missed. We're just seeing a little different era right now. The COVID stuff absolutely is a part of it. it it's mm-hmm. made the whole offseason screwy. But my point is you had legitimate contract experts saying there's no way that he can't go and get the highest, the highest contract ever because he's in the best situation possible for it. And here we are. So to me, all these factors matter. But where he ends up, both team and price is just so interesting now because we're so late in the game. Yeah, completely agree. One team that I, uh, that stands out that has cap space uh, is the Philadelphia Eagles. I know. I mean, they're, they're usually have great defenses. Uh, they have some space right now. Some of these other teams that I see, they have space, but I, I don't think they're, going to be contenders moving forward out of the teams that have space. The Eagles seem to have, and and then you, you mentioned the Titans too there. Um, but outside of that, I, some of these teams with space, I, I don't see them 
even being contender. So going back to your point, if it's as low as eight, seven, nine, whatever it might be down there, it might be one of those teams like the Cowboys, like you mentioned, or I just, you know, I can't it, see it, him doing it. Scott. Team. I can't see him going that low, even if, even if it's for a great team, I just can't see it. But uh, you know, I mentioned on Twitter last week when the Cam Newton came up, Tyron Matthew took $7 million from the Texans after a huge rookie contract in Arizona. And he was injured three out of those four years. So it was a really rough start for him. And uh, he took 7 million from Houston as a prove it. He was, he, he, he proved he was the best safety in football. Again, one of the most versatile DBs in football and cashed in at top safety money with the, with the Super Bowl winning Kansas city chiefs. So you, you can turn it around quickly. If you if you believe in your stuff, the problem mm-hmm. is, you know, he goes and takes 7 million from Dallas and gets injured week six. And then who knows what happens? I, let's end with this though. Jadavian Clowney rookie contract, Fifth year option, franchise tag, career earnings on Jadavian Clowney right now. Uh, let's see. 2014 number one overall draft pick. So it's po- it's obviously rookie wage scale. Somewhere around 38. $50.5 million already. Wow. So does that factor in your decision? We're talking about <laughs> all these other players that, you know, take less because you already made your money. I guess it, it it could it could help, right? If Dallas comes in and says we'll give you one for nine, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. It's such a weird year. To me, it is. To me, it, you take a one year deal for as high a salary as somebody will give you, and you know, if you play twelve games, it's one seventeenth times twelve. That's what you made this year. But again, I I don't know. The market's weird. The Raiders getting in now late is weird, but I could see that happening. I mean, if the Raiders. What if the Raiders just offered him two for 30, the number that I'm basically putting out there? I, I don't know. I don't know if you say no to that. It'd be funny if they paid him and not Cleo yeah. Mack though, right? Oh, that would good be. Good Lord. That would be. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. We got good stuff here. I, uh, I did an article last week that we've been neglecting a little bit here, but there were some other fish to fry. Basically, uh, as I mentioned in the open here, we're going to run down pretty much every team because every team really did something interesting. Either something happened there was a trade that process. There was a big signing, a big release. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's been a unique off season from a, from a health standpoint, from a league and a revenue standpoint and all that stuff. But it really didn't stop the transactions from flying. We had some major, major players move via the trade this year. And obviously, as of last week now, the, the quarterback carousel is kind of complete. Every, every quarterback we discussed in, <laughs> kind of at nauseum over the fall really has now found a home to some level. So... Uh, obviously those all made the list here, but Scott, let's start right at the top here, Arizona. Boy, I'm not sure. So the Cardinals made a move, Scott, that I think not many of us saw coming. Uh, boy, we got wind that Houston wanted out of DeAndre Hopkins for whatever reason, a riff with Bill, Bill O'Brien, uh, not wanting to pay 22 million plus a year, all understandable, I guess, but flipping him for a... <laughs> seemingly washed up David Johnson and picks that was that the move of the year. Are are we, are we peaking early here in this conversation? No, I don't think so. I actually went through your list here and I highlighted moves that I thought were the most impactful for the year. And that was one of the handful of uh, situations that I I think is going to be the standout because you have a quarterback who we've saw make strides in his first year. They give him a, a weapon to go with 
Larry Fitzgerald, and they they moved a running back that they didn't utilize at all. And I, I think this could be potentially the the deal of the year. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on top of you here, Scott, because well, breaking yeah. news as we're having this discussion, Adam Schefter reporting Patrick Mahomes has just locked in a 10 year extension with the Chiefs. So. Certainly, as those numbers come out here during this show, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break to that, but that certainly takes the cake. <laughs> I mean, yeah, everything so else be below done. that we'll we'll discuss, <laughs> but just from yeah. here out, so that we don't sound like crazy people the day after Mahomes signs an extension, and we basically say it's not the most important move. It's going to be the most important move, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything that's in second place and later at this point. I agree, you're right. There's more to talk about here, but the the Hopkins for David Johnson essentially swap was really out of left field. It, it was on the heels of free agency. It kind of came out of nowhere. And, well, let's be honest. We, we were included in the group of people that killed Houston for this. And I'm not sure we've, we've really recovered. I, I just think they made a lot of questionable moves. There's more to come. We'll get to them specifically. But that was shocking in, in every sense. And Arizona gets themselves Larry Fitzgerald's eventual replacement. They're going to have to pay for it, of course. But they get the right to pay DeAndre Hopkins now. With Larry Fitzgerald probably on his last year here, with Kyler Murray really rounding into form now in year two, from everything we've read and seen, and they transition tag Kenyon Drake, which was another smart move. They didn't even bother to franchise tag him; they paid him a million and a half less by by transition tagging him. And they also drafted Kenyon Drake's, I think, replacement in in the middle rounds of this year's draft. They also have Christian Kirk. They've got a couple the Andy Isabella last year's draft. They've got playmakers now. Maybe they lack a little bit in tight end, but this is a team that is going to be maybe a year away, but could also surprise the heck out of all of us in 2020. Yeah, they could. All right. Falcons, take it away. Yeah, uh, they acquired uh, Hayden Hurst. Underrated move, Scott. Pick. Oh, it is. I, I, I agree. From, from the Ravens for a second and a fifth round pick. They also acquired uh, DN Charles Harris from the Dolphins for a seventh round pick. And on top of that, they signed Todd Gurley and signed uh, Dante Fowler Jr. Um, so th- they made a, a slew of moves here. But I agree that Hurst deal. Um, th- th- I know they liked Hooper, mm-hmm. but I think Hurst gives them a little bit more flexibility. And, and then these other signings, it, it just it shows that they're trying to get over that hump that has eluded them. Yeah. They got stale. They got lethargic. And this was really just about changing, changing faces. Every single, every single out had a, had a, uh, an in, you know what I mean? It was one in one out Mm -hmm. for positionally speaking Uh, in terms of Hayden Hurst. Yeah. They traded draft picks for money. They didn't want to pay Austin Hooper 10 and a half to $11 million a year. So they got a complimentary, I think, I think probably as good at the end of the day, especially in terms of Matt, what Matt Ryan needs in a tight end. Uh, I think it's a sneaky good move. Do I think they're going to be better? Well, <laughs> the problem here is <laughs> the problem here is the division around them just exploded and maybe yeah. Carolina is not ready to win yet with, with all of their new talent, but I put Carolina and Atlanta in a very similar place right now. They could either be very average eight and eight team or be way down below, but you like fighting for the number one pick. And And by the way, it's going to be time to start looking at Matt Ryan's contract sooner rather than later here as well. If this thing really keeps to, to spiral downward, but not a lot of sexy moves. Uh, you really kind of, kind of dig into 
Uh, even even the Todd Gurley move kind of got deflated because you know it's a running back and he's making yes he's got a chance to make a decent amount of coin, but this was the best running back in football two years ago and now no really nobody else wanted him unfortunately so that's just how fault how far that fell, uh, but you know it, like I said it, just changing the scenery for a couple of these players could make a heck of a lot of difference for both the team and the players yeah it could too. all right the Ravens. Uh, didn't have to do much. This is a team that's pretty darn close right now. And boy, are they young and boy, are they cheap. They made a sneaky great move early on in, in acquiring Calais Campbell. And early on in this Jaguars purge, they knew we knew that Jaguars defense was going to get gutted. It started early with Campbell going to Baltimore for a fifth round pick, which is just robbery. Yes, they had to extend him to two years and about $25 million, So they paid him a decent amount of coin at his age, but he's going to be so productive on that line. It's such a nice, sneaky, good move for Baltimore. And then I, this one's a little bit questionable. I get it, but they went and drafted running back J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State, number 55 overall. Certainly a playmaker. And you can understand them wanting to to uh, bring in Mark Ingram's predecessor. He's, Mark, this is probably Mark Ingram's last year at $5 million a year uh, with his age and his mileage. I, I, tell me how you feel about this move. The, the reason I say this is this is almost a move to say, all right, we know Lamar Jackson can't be Lamar Jackson forever. And we need to get a playmaker who can kind of take on some of that role. That's the only way it makes sense logically for me, because otherwise they're in such a prime position to win. I feel like there were a couple of other holes they could have addressed with the number 50, number 55 pick, but your thoughts on this. I think put as many weapons around Jackson as you can. Fair. And that's what they did. And we offense will get you, into the playoffs, deep into the playoffs is defense, and they traded for a defense, and that that's all I can say. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's a good team, and really they could have could have done no wrong. And I'll say the same thing about the Buffalo Bills, who really just it, – it was about bringing back core. It was about extending a couple of players to make sure that you you keep what, what has become a really formidable defense intact. They made a nice addition in Mario Addison that really got pushed under the rug because some of the other high-profile players got signed at the same time. But ten year, ten million a year for Mario Addison, who's going to be, you know, a, a bit of a role player, but he's going to make an impact on that D line, and especially with the situation with Jerry Hughes probably falling off after twenty twenty, uh, you needed a replacement, and you got one at ten million a year who who should be able to handle the load here this year and going forward. They extended Jordan Jordan Poyer. It sounds like they're going to keep that secondary together as much as possible. I'd expect Micah Hyde to get get a, a new contract in the coming months here, and. You know, the clock is on for for Tredavious White, who, boy, as this summer's gone on, I don't, I don't know if you've seen it, but, uh, you know, the, the advanced analytics are really starting to fall in love with Tredavious White, and that is never a good sign when a player needs a contract. So uh, I expect a record-setting cornerback contract for White in the coming future here. So we'll see if Buffalo can open up their pocketbooks for that. And then, of course, the big move is acquiring Stefan Diggs from Minnesota, a player who wanted to change the scenery. Uh, you know, this Buffalo was sort of on the... They were on the tip of acquiring a veteran really the last couple of years. They were in the Antonio Brown game for about 11 seconds. Uh, they had a couple of other suitors out there as well. This made a ton of sense. This is the right player at the right age with the right skill set who's going to fall in love with Josh Allen, as many of these players have. It's just a matter of it all coming together quickly because this is certainly the year to do it. New England's going to take a bit of a step back no matter what happens here. The Jets don't seem ready to push forward yet. Miami's about a year and a half to two years away with the way they've set up their last draft and free agency. So this is the the Bills year, and these are the right moves to make. Did they do enough? That remains to be seen. 
But they also have draft ammo right now if they have to go and get somebody at the deadline, whenever the deadline would be. So I do think, you know, less is more in their regard. And I feel the same way about Baltimore. Just kind of address the needs, bring in a weapon here and there to, to mm-hmm. make sure your quarterback stays happy and go from there. All right, Carolina, that's a couple of big contracts for you to talk about here. Yeah, so we know Teddy Bridgewater signed there three years, $63 million. Uh, he was replacing Cam Newton, who is now on the New England Patriots. And then we had a huge uh, Christian McCaffrey running back extension, four years, $64 million. That sort of shocked the world uh, for a minute here amongst everything that's been going on. Um, we were all wondering, <laughs> does Carolina know who they're going to be or not? And then this dropped and we know what they're going to be as far as the staple being McCaffrey. Yeah. And now we just need to see if Teddy can step in and do what he needs to do on top of it. They have, uh, what new head coach and, um, what way they're going to go to start this, uh, 2020 season. Right. What they're going to be is Christian McCaffrey's team. That's what they're going to be. They're going to ride him out until he is aged out of the running back position, which makes sense. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's not as long-term of a contract as you might think in terms of the guarantees, which is the, the, the story of the NFL contract. And, you know, we're going to say the same about Patrick Mahomes contract likely when we see all the nuts and bolts of that. But, you know, McCaffrey's contract is essentially three for 40, even less than 40. It's about three for 39. So a player of his caliber, who's 24 years old, you get him 24, 25, 26 years old at 39 at, at essentially 13 million a year. You know, that's exactly what the doctor orders, especially for a young team and a new team that's trying to put the pieces together. This is the right move. And, and really this is the only move that making a running, paying a running back, this kind of money makes sense for. And that's why, that's why, and I put some tweets out recently. I, we're going to talk about him here. I think paying Joe Mixon similar money, not this high, but similar is the right move because they're in the exact same situation. You're so young. You're so cheap elsewhere. Joe Mixon's a playmaker. He can do it. He, he can catch the ball, not to the degree of McCaffrey, but it's the right move for Cincinnati to make that move right now as well. So kudos to, to Carolina for bucking the trend and getting a, a running back under contract. The Teddy Bridgewater one it, it remains to be seen. It's not going to blow up their entire situation if, uh, you know, if, if Bridgewater doesn't work out, it's, it's, it's risky to put a guy like that with his injury history and really lack of starts into, into such a big role. And I think all the things we're saying, Scott men, you know, mesh up with Vegas, who we've talked about before Vegas says Carolina is the, the odds on favorite to be the number one overall pick next year. So Vegas doesn't mm. think this is going to go well. <laughs> we'll put it that way, but look at, they made their moves. They released their quarterback. They signed a new one and they, extended a running back to the highest average paid in, in the history of football. So you can't say they're tanking on purpose. That's for darn sure. All right, take it away with Chicago, Scott, because if I get on a Nick Foles rant, we will have an hour and a half show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they acquired Nick Foles from uh, the Jaguars for a fourth round pick. They signed Robert Quinn, five years, $70 million, extended Eddie Jackson, four year, $58 million, uh, we we all were wondering what the bears were doing with the foals i mean if you want to end there because you've done your your rant we can move on <laughs> but i mean so we I, don't know what the bears are doing i purposely left out the entire jimmy graham situation because i didn't want to involve myself into it again because i went on like a, a day and a half bender on twitter with jimmy graham because they they released trey burton which was the right move they were way in the overhead from a contract standpoint there 
Green Bay releases Jimmy Graham, also the right move. You don't want to pay Jimmy Graham $10 million a year again for a reserve role. And then Chicago goes and signs him to $9 million a year, completely guaranteed the next year and a half with a no trade clause. I'm not going to discuss this more. I just want you to remember that the Bears did it. I actually think the Nick <laughs> Foles move is okay in a normal offseason, but there were so many options. I get there's a connection with Nick Foles and the coaching staff, and they think that'll be an easy, quick solution to fixing the current offense because Trubisky just doesn't seem to be a fit in that style. Fine. That makes sense. But the Foles contract was just not something you, you wanted to take on. You shouldn't have had to do that. Why not just throw Andy Dalton in there on a dirt cheap contract and see if that works? Isn't winning all that matters? Like, why did you have to worry about the next four years? Just bring in, if you like the pieces around you, and they clearly do, they, they like what they've done in David Montgomery. And I think they really like, you know, the wide receiver arsenal that they've drafted and signed in free agency. You've already done so much of the work. I, I just hate that they had to bring in Nick Foles and all that money as a, as their safe bet at the quarterback position yeah. when there were so many options and you could have gone a little cheaper in terms of cash and cap. I'm not going to well, crush it, them too it, much because it might work. It really might work, but I just feel like they overextended themselves. That's all. Well, in the icing on the cake for that team was you had a number two overall pick in 2017 and you declined their declined his option. So maybe the writing is on the wall. And they traded up well. for him. Right. They already destroyed their draft to do this. So yeah, mm-hmm. actually I'll give them some credit there. Good on them for identifying that they have a problem and just doing something about it. They didn't sit on this. They're not, they're not writing this out because they made a move and another regime made a move that, they, that isn't working out. So I'll give them credit for that. Doing something was the right move this offseason. Mitchell Trubisky, I, I think a lot of us are pretty certain that he is not the long-term option. He's going to be given the chance again because if you, can get your, if you can get him going, it's going to be a better financial situation for you in the future. But uh, I just think there were, there were other options than, rather than Nick Foles on that bloated contract. But, you know, I've been wrong before almost every single time. All right. I mentioned the Bengals drafting Joe Burrow was obviously the right move. I really like the DJ reader signing out of Houston four years, 53 million. We, we talked a little bit about this interior line and how when you've got guys that can also go and get the quarterback, but also stuff the run that versatility is worth paying for. I thought for a little bit North of 12 million a year, that's the right move. They did end up moving on from Andy Dalton. I th- feel like they, they, they were hoping for a trade partner in that it didn't happen. It didn't materialize. Andy Dalton eventually said, I don't want to sit, sit on my butt the entire season. Give me a chance to go somewhere that can at least compete. He did that with Dallas. Uh, you know, everything's fine. And like I said, mm-hmm. I, think a mixing, I think a mixing contract is coming. It sounds like they want to keep A.J. Green. That might be questionable because of the injury history and what that might cost them, you know, upwards of $20 million a year. But we'll see if that comes to fruition or not. All right, Scott, you mentioned Austin Hooper. Go talk about him and the Browns. Yeah, so we ended up going to the Browns, leaving Atlanta four years, $42 million. Uh, and then they also signed Jack Conklin, three years, $42 million. Uh, so a couple, couple signings there. Yeah, what uh, they didn't do is know. blow it up. They didn't blow it up with o- right. Odell Beckham, and, and they're staying with Baker Mayfield. They didn't really – I mean, they, I believe they brought in Case Keenum to back him up, which I thought was a great move, really nice, sneaky, good move. Uh, here's your thoughts on this, Scott, I, because we talked running backs already. They've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt pretty much aligned right now in terms of their, their contracts. Are they going to be one of those teams that just never signs those players because they got in so early and they were able to find themselves – yeah, I, I think so. They're just going to move on and start over? Yeah, why not? I mean, if 
they get to the draft and they end up falling in love with some running back in the draft. I mean, we're seeing this with more and more teams here drafting in the third, fourth round, and then you just paying them uh, in the rookie scale and not have yeah. to up them as they did with say Christian McCaffrey or Joe Mixon in the event if that right. happens with Bengals. Right. Uh, they may want to just go with the, you know, every few years running back and because they know they're already paying Beckham and may have to pay him again. Or, you know, if they stick with Baker, you're going to have to pay him Mm -hmm. Um, next man up on some of these, these players that they already have is their marquee. So yeah, I think right now they're just going to cycle through as they need to. Yeah. So Chubb's got two years left on this rookie deal. Kareem Hunt's on his restricted tender right now. Uh, We'll know a little bit more about this decision with hunt after 2020. Um, you know, if he takes over the role again and Chubb is put into a more reserve spot, my guess is they, they franchise tag cream hunt and go from there because Chubb will be so cheap. Still, you could still keep both of them at a relatively good price and uh, keep the one, two punch going. I just can't imagine when you have two, why would you ever pay one is my point. So <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition, but my guess is this is going to be the model. And really the bills are, are trending towards that situation as well now with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss back-to-back third-round draft picks. So I just think this is probably what the smarter financial people inside of football are saying we should be doing. We should just be every couple of years, we, we go back-to-back on running backs with different styles so we can go one-two punch on them and then really never have to pay any of them outside of maybe a franchise tag here or there. All right, it's got the Cowboys. Plenty of uh, you know, plenty of money already thrown around, and really the big money hasn't even happened yet. Of course, with Dak Prescott, we'll see what the Patrick Mahomes situation does for guys like Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott. Certainly, it's going to be an impact, but you know, it's not. I'm not saying Dak Prescott's going to go up there and overtake whatever Patrick Mahomes just did, but it's going to have a factor with the entire quarterback market. And really, based on what we're hearing with Mahomes, the, the entire NFL market. But they did get the deal done with Amari Cooper, the wide receiver. A deal we, we weren't sure was going to happen. I was guessing this would be third on the list of Zeke, Zeke Elliott, Dak Prescott, and Amari Cooper. It ended up being second with Zeke getting done last offseason. Uh, five for 100, Scott, but it's really two for 40. What are your thoughts on Cooper and the, and the Dallas Cowboys here? Well, they got their number one wide receiver locked up at least for a couple years. I mean, they they sort of had to with what they traded for him. And, you know, it's a great way to say it because they didn't have to otherwise, did they? No, they didn't. (laughs) But the way you said it is exactly right. They gave up a first round pick and you almost feel obligated. Right. But then they've got Michael Gallup, who anyone who had him fantasy last year loved him. And then what did they do in the draft? Right. They got themselves a burner in CD Lamb, arguably the best wide receiver in the draft. So, yeah, your your point is completely valid. I feel like this was an obligation signing. And that's why this wasn't three years guaranteed like many of these wide receiver contracts. It's two for 40. And I think we're both in agreement that that's just fine for a running back or wide receiver of his age with his talent. But can he stay healthy? That's really going to be Dallas's season in a nutshell. You know, if they can keep this roster on the field, they better be one of the top teams in the NFC. They just have to be at this point, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they they put the weapons around Dak. Sure. They Dak signed that tag. I mean, they brought in Dalton as their backup, and you know that's fine. I mean, if if for some reason Dak goes down, you at least have that veteran presence in there that can step in and 
probably not skip a beat because um, we know how he is. He, he does his homework and he, he proved himself for the most part in Cincinnati. So yeah, I, you know, Dallas, it, it's their division probably to lose at this point on sure. paper um, sure. w- with how the other, you know, the giants and the Redskins, we don't know really what they're going to be. Um, and then you got Philadelphia in there, but it, it's their, it's their division to lose. And, you know, yeah, let's see what, let's see how they perform on the field. And like you said, it, can they stay healthy? Yep. So speaking of highly drafted wide receivers and a very young team, my goodness, Denver Broncos, they didn't have to do a whole lot this year. Uh, they really, they, they kind of finished strong in 2019 and a lot of people were identifying them as a team that, that, that really was coming on. They went back to back round one, round two on wide receivers, very different styles, Jerry, Judy, and KJ Hamler. One's a burner. One's a big man who can catch the ball. has got great hands. This could be a devastatingly good offense right now. They did sign Melvin Gordon away from the chargers on a very cost controlled $8 million free agent contract. They already had Philip Lindsay, but because he's an undrafted free agent, he's, he is bare bones, minimum salary. So a one, two punch in the wide receiver in the running back situation. Uh, you add those wide receivers along with an already great Cortland Sutton, who's about to break out. We, many of us believe, and a couple of youngsters to go with that. And then the tight end situation with the, which they've taken care of in, in a past couple of drafts, Noah Fant, Jake, Butt, Jeff Harriman, Nick Vanett. there's four legitimate tight ends here, be it young and fairly cheap. This is a devastatingly cheap offensive Scott. I've, I've done some Twitter work on this already. If this thing works, John Elway is going to have himself one of the best value teams in all of football, really for the next couple of seasons, because of course the quarterback in drew lock is devastatingly cheap. I've said devastatingly too many times, but that's really how this <laughs> looks because it's really, it could go either way. You're playing with fire, basically saying we're not going to put any legitimate high paid veteran on this offense right now. Uh, we're just going to go with our gut and feel like these guys will all play nice together. And it's going to cost us $20 million basically to do it. But if it works, it's the best. And if it doesn't, well, we'll know why. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, I bet you outside of Drew Locke, no one else could name a quarterback that was on their roster right now. Uh, I looked and I was, I, I couldn't even tell you them. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you better up your fantasy game then. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so th- they have the weapons there, but uh, pr- probably the, the largest question mark at quarterback, probably in the league. Um, if Drew Locke doesn't work out, maybe they'll be at the bottom and they're going to take, potentially Lawrence if, if that's where they want to go. And um, so this team will be interesting to see on the field. Nonetheless. Sure. No question about it. All right. We'll keep on moving here. Detroit. What are your thoughts on Detroit as a whole right now? Who are they? Where are they going? What is their five-year outlook? If you ask them in an interview, what is your five-year, three-year outlook? I don't even think they know where they want to go because they have those questions with Stafford. Should he stay? Should he go? Do you keep him to extend him? Or, you know, there's been rumors with trading him, but can't do it now because of being strapped for money. Uh, So I, that, that that is their underlying theme right now is who who are they? What do they want to be? It's good. Yeah, I, I can't see it any other way. 
You're right. There's so much question, even at the quarterback position, and then it trickles down from there. I thought they made a good draft pick in, uh, in the running back this offseason, DeAndre Swift. That was the right move. They were certainly lacking there, especially with all the injuries they faced in 2019. They replaced Darius Slay with their first-round pick, You know, getting him out the door and not having to pay him $20 million, also a pretty solid move. But it also points to the fact that they're either trying to rebuild on the fly with all the players the Patriots don't want anymore, or they're simply just stuck in motion because they're not going to be bad enough to be, to be the worst, you know, and they're not going to be, I don't, I don't believe they're going to contend in that NFC uh, North either. So we'll see. I think it's going to be another pretty bland year, but here's the thing. If Stafford's healthy, he can, he can be the kind of guy that can carry a team. He can be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the wide receivers on this team are all getting up there in age outside of Galladay, who I do expect to get paid here in the next couple of months. I think he's shown he's going to be the next WR one for this team. But Again, uh, it's a, it's a it's a lot of what ifs going up and down this roster and and down this cap right now. They've got cap to burn. They didn't do it this offseason. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right, moving along. Speaking of which, the Green Bay Packers. It's a lot about what they didn't do this offseason, right? Yeah, exactly. They did not draft any skill help. High. Let me let me rephrase that. No, you're high right. Drafted, <laughs> high drafted skill help. I mean, they probably have brought in some skilled players, but, you know, taking Jordan Love at 26 was one of the biggest eye shockers of the draft. And I mean, uh, Rodgers and what he, you know, where is he going to be? Is he going to be with the Packers? Are they going to move on from him after having signed that extension? And then, like you said, they, they released Jimmy Graham. They extended their kicker who, has been, you know, a staple for them, but, you know, they didn't put the weapons around Rodgers to help them succeed. I mean, we just talked about it with a handful of teams already. The Bills made a move for, you know, Diggs. Uh, Carolina has re-upped on McCaffrey. You know, the Falcons redone with their with Hayden Hurst, the the Cardinals with Hopkins, the Packers haven't done anything to help with uh, Rogers at all. So he's sort of stuck with the weapons that he had last year, trying to do whatever magic he can do on the field. And I think that sums up their off season. They drafted a fullback, a running back and a backup quarterback this year in the first three rounds. Mm. Let me rephrase that a backup quarterback, a backup running back and a backup fullback. Yeah, that's no good. I'm not joking. That's how our lads has it laid out right now. The great depth chart website, Jordan love, of course, is going to back up Rogers until Rogers isn't here anymore. AJ Dillon was brought in on the second round. He's not going to replace Aaron Jones. He's certainly going to compliment Aaron Jones. And then Josiah Deguara, who's being slotted as a fullback. He's probably, you know, a, a slash halfback, but they already had a veteran fullback on the roster. So outside of removing him, that's not a good way to fill your roster out with your first three no, picks. No. And that's why Aaron Rodgers is P I S S E D right now, because he knows he's in the twilight of his career and in the, and really with two more impactful years on his contract. Uh, and this team just isn't putting the, putting the, the pudding in front of him right now. They're not giving him the opportunity that he needs to succeed. Yes. He's got some playmakers. Devonte Adams is one of the more underrated wide receivers in all of football. They added Devin Funches to that arsenal. That ain't going to do it. He barely, he barely finished on a roster last year. So uh, I just don't see it. I, I understand Rogers pain. 
Uh, oh, by the way, they lost they lost their right tackle as well this year. They, you know, it's it's not good news, and their tight end. So, <laughs> it's not good news for Aaron right now. But that's the, the Green Bay Packers in a nutshell. We'll see if it all works out. Stranger things have happened, but uh, time to move on to Houston and crazy Bill O'Brien. Here's the moves: he acquires running back David Johnson and picks for picks and DeAndre Hopkins. He acquires Brandon Cooks, who was basically kicked out of the Rams situation for financial purposes, and he extends. Left tackle Laramie Tunzel, who he, who he gave up a farm and two houses for from Miami to acquire. And then T- Tunzel self-represented himself, getting him $66 million over the next three years. Um, I, I'm not going to kill it too much. He, he clearly wanted to shake it up. He clearly needed to shake it up. The left tackle signing and, and acquisition as a whole is extremely intelligent because you love your quarterback. Um, this is exactly the opposite of what, Aaron Rodgers hates with Green Bay, right? This is, so maybe mm-hmm. there was a situation where maybe even Watson and Hopkins had an issue. Who knows? We don't, we don't know what happens inside those locker rooms, but at least he didn't just sit on this. They signed Randall Cobb. They brought in Brandon Cooks. David Johnson can, is, can certainly catch the ball out of the backfield. So Watson's going to have his toys to play with. There's no question about that. And oh, by the way, Watson's going to get himself $40 million a year coming here soon as well. So all these moves are because the quarterback needed money because there was a rift in the, the locker room or the sideline or something. And they decided that Deandre Hopkins wasn't the player to get paid. Uh, you know, cooks is cost controlled to some degree now because the Rams paid the majority of his signing bonus slash roster bonuses. So he's relatively cheap over the next year and a half or two Johnson, the same bid, although it's still an overpay for a running back of his, his, uh, his moniker right now. And like I said, Laramie Tunzel became the highest paid tackle in the history of football, self-represented, but you kind of had to do that. It's the Amari Cooper situation that you brought up with Dallas. They traded the yep. world to get him. There's just no way you can't pay him top dollar. So they did it. Yeah. We'll see if it works. It may work. This was a pretty good team, but they did shake it up quite a bit. Yeah, I just pulled up that Tunzel trade just to see what was <laughs> packaged in there. 2020 first-round pick to Miami. And Miami flipped that to Green Bay so Green Bay could get love, and they got an extra fourth out of it. So they essentially got a fourth, a first and a fourth there because of the extra trade. And then a 2021 first and a 2021 second, and then those two other players that were in, thrown in there too. But, you know, yeah, th- this is going to be one that we – have to look back at in two, three years to see how it really has transpired, especially on Miami side, because we saw, uh, we haven't gotten to Miami yet, but they made a lot of moves here this off season. And, you know, this, this trade could be sure franchise defining for the Miami dolphins moving forward. So it's, it's definitely one to flag to, to see in a few years. Indianapolis Colts. What's the best move? Is it the trade and signing of DeForest Buckner to, to shore up that off the defensive line? Or is it the one year, see what, see what we got left in Phillip Rivers? Buckner. Okay. So are you I, in I, on Rivers or are you Buckner. worried about Rivers? Uh, I, I don't want to say I'm worried about him, uh, but I also know that the Indianapolis Colts' defense has not been superb. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they needed uh, to make a splash. So I, they need they needed a splash, and I actually your other note here with Costanzo being extended. Yeah. I, I I like that move because you need to have that offensive line 
and he he's a stud. It legitimately he's might gonna, be the best left tackle Philip Rivers has ever played with. Yeah, if, I, if you I, think back I, to how many disastrous years they had in, with the Chargers, there, yeah, it, they they basically had to it, stop him from retiring. But you're right, two for thirty three for that left tackle, you, you, it's it's money well spent, right? It is, and if Rivers is you know seventy five percent of what he's been, yeah, the the Colts should be with what they have around him, they should be on the fringe if not there for you know the playoffs, obviously. The Chiefs are going to probably be on paper the division winner, but the Colts are going to be there if if Rivers can be, you know, fifty percent better than the, the wide uh, quarterbacks that they've had in the last few years. So, you know, and that's with you know Luck being injured, not being able to play, and then the revolving door that they've had last year. So. I think if I had to put them in order, it would go Buckner, Costanzo, and then Rivers based on your notes here. Oh, by the way, this is another team that's identified a legitimate running back in the draft two out of three years. Remember, they brought in Jonathan Taylor here out of Wisconsin who can really be a player, and they've already got Marlon Mack. So not to mention a couple of more players as well. So they're they're loading up on depth at the running back position. They're going to add playmakers at that side of the ball for Phillip Rivers, which Rivers has always kind of had that. So that does make a lot of sense. And and from what I remember, tell me if I'm wrong, but this is pretty much a one and done for Rivers, right? Or do you think he's going to see how this goes and then re-up for another one year? <laughs> it's I think it's possible he strings a couple of one years if it works out. I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't do that, but we'll see. I mean, I'm, he's certainly not going to get $400 million. That's for sure. Those days are done. You know, and he's mm-hmm. not even, he's not even going to command Brady or Breeze money, no matter what kind of season he has. But yeah, he's a. Yeah, I could see a couple more years if it works out. He and and Frank Reich really do have some chemistry, so this it's possible that it works. Jacksonville sold hard this year. They got rid of AJ Boye, the the cornerback that they signed not too long ago. They got rid of Clayus Campbell, as previously mentioned. They certainly got rid of Nick Foles. They released Marcel Darius. They're working on trading the franchise tag Yannick Ngakwe who they absolutely do not want to pay any money to. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of movement. I don't know what they're going to do with Leonard Fournette, who had a bounce-back year in 2019. He's going to need some some coins soon. That's going to be a really tough decision for really any franchise, not just Jacksonville. But they're rolling with, uh, with Gardner Minshew, and whether that's rolling to some stability or, <laughs> or rolling all the way down so they can get Trevor Lawrence, I think they're probably good either way, right? Yeah, it's almost uh, who is left on this team at this point, you know. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> we mentioned the Chiefs. Uh, you know, what the Chiefs have already done is not important anymore outside of maybe what could happen with Chris Jones up to that July 15th franchise tag deadline. Uh, that's certainly something to watch. But boy, it's depending on how this Patrick Mahomes extension is structured, it's going to be they're going to be hard pressed for cap space for a long time. Because we are hearing that Mahomes' contract is north of $400 million over the next 10 years. That's new money, new years. So it's a 12-year contract in total. Of course, as you know, if you've listened to me at all, it's never going to be a 12-year contract. It's probably a five-year contract with a heck of a lot of options, including maybe two option bonuses. We are hearing rumblings from Adam Schefter that there is some sort of tie to the salary cap. So you know maybe he's worth 15 to 18% of the salary cap increase every year. I'm uh, not particularly sure how that how that works from a 
accounting standpoint, we've been we've had a couple of guests on the show that led us to believe that that means actually ripping the contract up and starting over. It's possible that that has a, that that has changed in this recent CBA. But we're seeing now from Adam Schefter that the lowest possible base value of this deal is 12 years and $427 million, which, which basically means he's got $27 million left on the next two years from his rookie contract already. And, there, and at minimum, this new contract is going to be worth $400 million. We still have not seen anything on guaranteed money. That is, of course, the most important part of this, not to mention how that guarantee is structured. As soon as we have it, we'll tweet it out. And if we're still talking on this show, we'll, of course, break it down as well. But breaking news, of course, the Chiefs have taken over the offseason here, really in all of sports, because this is a baseball contract being put forth for, for Patrick Mahomes. And we do believe there will be ties to the salary cap, which is going to be unprecedented. It's going to be something that changes the way that NFL contracts are structured here going forward. Scott? Yeah, the, it, like you said, they are strapped right now. So <laughs> yeah, don't look. I mean, it's I'm ugly. Looking, They're not even I, looking. I did. They're just throwing I, money I at Mahomes and not even looking at the salary cap. <laughs> three and a half million for cap space top fifty one. So it's going to be interesting to see how they structure this. And like you said, Chris Jones. Do they have to trade gonna, Chris Jones though? Maybe, and I mean, if they do what you could get back for them and help reload and, you know, give weapons or whatever through draft. I mean, you'd have to think you're going to get it. What? At least two first round picks for them. Um, I would think, although having to pay him help, that doesn't help that, but um, we've seen that before, at least a, maybe a first and a second, which who's going to be willing to give that up this year. We'll see. But yeah, Chris Jones is like I mentioned at the top here. Chris Jones is one of those versatile players who, he can light up all the stat boards. That's why he's valued 18 million plus and, you know, is going to have to get 21, $22 million. It's essentially DeForest Buckner all over again. You have to trade him for, you know, if they're trade a first round pick to get him and you're going to have to pay him more than $21 million. So if there's a team out there that needs that and can handle that and wants to do that right now, because maybe they're in an all in situation, then fine. But I don't know that, uh, I don't know that the chiefs want to get rid of anybody right now. I mean, they went through high, high hell to keep Sammy Watkins, who we were all absolutely confident they were going to move on from. So they really, they obviously like their team coming off a Super Bowl win, and they like the entire situation as a whole. You know, will they get, will they shoot themselves in the foot for doing too little here, for not changing some scenery? They brought in a really nice running back at the end of the first round, which which raised a lot of eyebrows. But it's going to be great. That's that is quite a gadget for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to work with. Now it's it's kind of a new wrinkle. And now, like I said, now that they've locked in Mahomes indefinitely, literally indefinitely, um, the sky's the limit for this team. So if they can make it all work, they're certainly going to do it. But I wonder now if this Mahomes contract and the conversation we're having is being had by GMs right now, basically saying, all right, we've got leverage to go and make a move for Chris Jones now, right? Maybe it's not, maybe it's a second round pick now because they know that Kansas city has got to move on because they just literally can't make it all work, you know, this and or next year. So it's possible that happens, but keep an eye on Chris Jones for sure. That as yeah. a, as a, as a, as an effect to the cause that is Patrick Mahomes, $400 million. Well, the last thing I'll say is Andy Reed likes to uh, give, give himself some quarterbacks, uh, long contracts. I mean, I just pulled up Donovan yeah. McNabb, of course. nine year, nine years, $70 million back in 2002. So, and now he's got Mahomes and when he finds know, a guy that, that works well with him, he keeps him forever. That's just how he it does. works. He, that's how it works. So, we all knew this was coming. I, I was I was hesitant with our current situation that it would get done this year. 
But man, my guess is that the, that the final number, maybe it's 450 or even close to 500 million when you add in all the bonuses. Um, but when you, when you add it all together, it's probably one of those situations where, you know, they call Lee Steinberg and, uh, and Patrick Mahomes and say, here's what we're offering. And you just say, absolutely, absolutely. We're going to do that. <laughs> so we'll see if we get more details soon. Let's move on though. Uh, was it Vegas? Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. One of yeah. those suitors for, for Jadavian Clowney that kind of got into the boat late here. Questionable move at Marcus Mariota. Go ahead on that. Yeah. Mariota, two years, $17 million to back up uh, Carr. And then they also signed Corey Littleton, three years, $35 uh, million. And then they drafted a one of those stud wide receivers. Yeah. Henry Ruggs, the third, uh, number 12 overall. I got no I mean, problem really... with the last two moves there, Scott, but I want to talk to you about Mariota here, and yeah. here's why. I, I like the player, and I like the I like what John Gerd might be able to do with that kind of a player, but they did it so early, and now if we look at the other signings, right, if, even Jameis Winston, who was his number one mm-hmm. overall pick ahead of Mariota, and we know what Winston got, $1.1 million in New Orleans to basically say, I got to start my career over. Why did Mariota, why was he given so much guaranteed money really eight and a half, almost $9 million of guaranteed money to go back up Derek Carr, who I understand is questionable for the short term here, but it's a lot of money in retrospect now for a backup quarterback. Yeah. Because I mean, we, like you said, Winston, even Cam Newton, Dalton. I mean, I know the, the and Dalton, so yeah. they, they had their options. Um, so yeah, that, that is the questionable move. The other two I like, we'll see what they put on the field and how they play here in, in Vegas this year. Um, I, on paper, I, I'm going to say they're probably 500 or lower, yeah. but um, I, I don't foresee them making the playoffs. There's still a team that's trying to, you know, every year Derek Carr is it's similar to Stafford. Should he stay or yeah. is he going to go? And um, I think we're still, in that, in that boat. Uh, the Vegas Raiders are one of those teams that would be listening for Chris Jones. I don't know if Kansas city would trade him in division like that, but mm-hmm. uh, that's a team right there that needs a playmaker. That's why we're talking about Clowney. And I would certainly put Chris Jones in that conversation as well. So we'll see on that one, but yeah, I mean the, the, the wide receiver draft pick was absolutely necessary. Tyrell Williams is not a number one wide receiver, even though they paid him as such. So that was easily their best move of the offseason. We'll see what happens with the rest of it. I do think the Mariota situation is a big-time overpay, but if it's just for one year, I guess they can live with that. All right, moving along here. Chargers, right? Chargers. Lost yeah, Philip Chargers. Rivers, drafted Justin Herbert, extended Austin Eckler at $6 million a year, which is just going to be great value, but undrafted free agent didn't have, didn't have a lot to start with, so he didn't have to go top dollar on a player like that. He was happy with the $6.5-plus million a year. Uh, did a swap on a guard for a tackle, which that's such a Chargers move, by the way. They acquired Chris Davis, too. They signed Chris Davis away from Denver to, to, to bolster their secondary a little bit. Look, it's a really good defense. It's a really good defense. The secondary is, is young. Derwin James might be the, the best safety in the league in a year and a half or two. They've got a both DeBosa kid who has really come on here. Melvin Ingram still a, still a, a stud edge, edge pass rusher. Uh, it's all there. We, we all liked the Chargers heading into last year, and then everybody got hurt in training camp. So <laughs> that was kind of shot in the foot before it started. It, a lot of people think the, one of the biggest problems was Phillip Rivers and his decline. So 
Can Tyrod Taylor hold the fort down? We've seen him do that in Buffalo on a one-year basis and took them to the playoffs. It's possible he can do the exact same thing right now with Justin Herbert holding the clipboard for a year. And this team sort of comes together and Hunter Henry stays healthy and Eckler has another great year. We'll see. But uh, on paper, this is a very, very solid team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, this was one of the teams that was rumored for for Brady because of all the exactly. weapons and, and defense that were there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they look on paper or on, on the field. On paper, they look all right. We'll see how the quarterback pans out, but um, time will tell. Rams did plenty. We weren't sure if they're going to be able to get out of the Todd Gurley contract. They did it regardless of the dead cap. Same goes for trading Brandon Cooks. They took on just a crazy amount of dead cap to move on from those two guys. Here's the thing. Generally speaking, when you load up on dead cap, it means you're, you're, you're dropping down and you're going to have a, basically a get through year. And then you can start, start back up again when your finances are in better shape. This is still a pretty good Rams team. It's a pretty good team. I mean, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods should be able to hold the fort down. They've got a couple of nice tight ends to complement that. They, they drafted running backs in the past couple of seasons, so they do have young talent there, and they're not going to have to pay Todd Gurley's crazy cash now. They brought back Andrew Whitworth, you know, the, the veteran left tackle. We've talked about that a couple of times now, how teams have done that. you got to be able to protect Goff, and you, you want to give him someone he can trust. Whitworth is certainly that player. Goff's the, Goff's the big discussion here. If Goff is Goff, you know, there are two versions of Jared Goff that we've seen is my point here. And we need to see a lot more of the better one. Otherwise, this team's going nowhere fast. They're going to be exactly who they were last year, which was fringe playoff team. Didn't end up do, you know, making it in the end. We'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, they, they, this rebuild on the fly generally doesn't work, but they're in a position to really do it. So if they can succeed this year, it would be bucking the trend. Um, we'll see, though, because Cooper Cup's going to need some money here soon. So it's well, either, it's either they rip it all down after this season because it didn't work or – that continue on forward and guys like cup get paid. Well, and same thing, Jalen Ramsey. Oh, I mean, exactly. What, what, it, it, do, do they pay him? Do they let him walk? It's almost like I, they have to pay him for what they traded. Yeah. Same you conversation. Know. You're right. But I, I, I really have trouble with them paying anybody else right now because of, like I said, this is such a, a pivotal year for that franchise. They're going to try to do this thing and keep, keep and sustain what they have. Because like I said, on paper, it's a pretty good team. Um, but, but they're going to know pretty quickly. I, I think Ramsey's going to have to wait till like week eight, <laughs> you know, and if the Rams are ticking along and everything looks like it's going to continue on as it's been with just a couple of pieces out now, then you go ahead and give Jalen Ramsey $21 million a year, whatever it's going to take at that point. But I understand that they, tri- they gave up a lot to get him in, but I still think he's worth a first going out. So don't pay him right now. Don't pay him right now until you know who you are. Don't put yourself in a spot where you've got even more dead cap in 2021 because of a guy like that when you're not even sure where you're going to be in 18 months. So I, I, I caution to the wind on signing anyone else to major extensions right now because they're in a bit of a flux here. You mentioned the Dolphins. We don't really need to talk about that too much. They've acquired picks. They used a ton of them in 2020 because they got their guy at the quarterback spot at number five with Tua. And they just started to load up from there. They brought on a couple of nice pieces on the defensive side of the ball and Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy. I think those are immediate impact players for that team. So they're going to be able to hold the fort. This team won five games without even trying last year. They were trying to lose and Ryan Fitzpatrick pulled a Ryan Fitzpatrick and had himself a half a year, which is really what he does everywhere he goes. 
Whenever you give that guy the ball, he is just gritty and tough enough and good enough, by the way, to win games. And he won games, maybe too many games for a team that was trying to tank all the way down. But sneaky good moves. Acquiring Matt Breida from the 49ers. They, they signed Jordan Howard. That's a formidable one-two punch at the running back position. I'm not sure they have the wide receiver talent they need right now, but there's a lot of good pieces on this team right now. They're, made, they're probably a year away from literal contention, but they used a lot of draft picks. They are cheap and young pretty much across the board, and uh, I like it. I like what I'm seeing out of Miami, finally. It's been a long time since we've been able to say that. Why don't you take on yeah, Minnesota, who did a couple, of, uh, a couple of damaging moves here? Yeah, they, they, like we said, they traded Diggs to the Bills. Uh, with a seventh round pick for, they got a first, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and then they extended Kirk Cousins two years, $66 million. And so they, they moved a weapon out and we're going to see what they are. So let's talk forward. Cousins. Cause we've had <laughs> Kirk Cousins agent on now, and I, I will get him back on sometime this summer because he's, he's a great guest, knows his stuff. And, uh, obviously with the Kirk Cousins signing, there's more to talk about, but this is a salary cap move is what this is. And we, we kind of, we kind of, uh, you know, led you to believe this was going to happen even last fall when you kind of saw the writing on the wall with this, this Minnesota Vikings salary cap situation for 2020, which still isn't in great shape, but cousins had a $31 million cap hit leading up to 2020. You knew something had to break because if they wanted to keep him, they had to lower that to, in some degree to fit in these other pieces they did just that by guaranteeing $66 million more in cash. They dropped the cap hit $10, $10 million for 2020. They were able to fit in a couple of other pieces, including a couple of draft picks. And uh, here we go. Kirk Cousins gets paid again. It's another, it's basically $96 million over the next three seasons. Career earnings, Scott, without looking. Let's just assume he makes all $96 million through 2022, which is pretty much set in stone at this point. Where's he at right now? And then add on $96 million. Mm. This is his eighth. This will be his ninth season. So eight seasons paid thus far. Let's go with. Let's go with 60 plus is 96 that you're saying. So 155, 160. You were super close, except for not even close. He's made a hundred million dollars already. Oh, he's gonna wow. be he's gonna be upwards of two hundred million dollars when it's all said and done on this next guaranteed contract. Uh, I didn't take into account that first Minnesota contract. Right, right. Yeah, he just he's it's almost it's Brady, but at top dollar. <laughs> he's mm. every two years he's rolling over a new contract here, but with substantial money. So I'm not sure it's sustainable from Minnesota standpoint. I can put it that way because it's. I mean, it's good for him, good for his agent. This is this is the way to operate. I mean, after a guy who went back-to-back franchise tags, and yes, he made a lot of money doing it, uh, you know, a little stability makes sense, but he's not going five, six years out. He's going two, three-year contracts, almost fully guaranteed again. He, he, he's the winner. <laughs> he, wins, he wins the NFL contract contest right now because of the way he has do- structured this thing. After getting absolutely dogged in Washington, for four years of a rookie contract and then two tags. Um, he's the winner, a fully guaranteed yeah, free know, agent contract. And now a fully guaranteed extension. That's just the way to go, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I just pulled up. I mean, this is a moot point with Mahomes and some of these other guys coming up behind him, but that one ninety six yeah. that would put him up into 
top 10 all time. Yep. Um, and that's in 12 years. That's in 12 seasons. So he's averaging over $16 million a year in his career at that point. That's, that's good living for Kirk Cousins, who many people think is average by the way. (laughs) So yeah, good for him. Good for his agent. We'll try to talk to his agent again soon. It's always good to have him on and hear some of the, uh, behind the scenes stuff with how these negotiations go on. Patriots did plenty. And by plenty, I mean, they did a lot of, a lot of moving away from, they did extend Devin McCourty, which I think is a very good move on their part. They brought in Cam Newton at one year, 1.75 million in terms of base. We'll see if he actually gets the week one start. They had to trade Rob Gronkowski because a Rob Gronkowski wanted to be traded and B they didn't even have the cap space to keep him on the roster when he decided to unretire. So that was a no brainer move. That's why that was just a fourth round pick in return because it was an absolutely no leverage move for, for the Patriots. And of course they moved on from Tom Brady via Tom Brady's decision, who is now in Tampa Bay. Of course, Tom Brady leaves behind $13.5 million in dead cap for 2020 because of the voidable years of his contract. That's just how the Patriots operate. Many teams are doing that now. The Saints are another one that does that. Minnesota has been doing that. And Detroit as well has been doing that pretty much standard as well. Boy, I mean, the uh, the Patriots have four quarterbacks on their on their cap right now that it cost about $9 million total. So, excuse me, $4.2 million total. $4.2 million. Wow. So they have gone right down to the bottom of this thing. And a lot of people think Cam Newton can still be an MVP. <laughs> so... You try to figure that out. That's that's really the the back and forth right now with how this offseason is well, gone. A late June signing well, at the quarterback position, and maybe he might be an MVP this year. We'll see. Yeah, and if you recall, their draft was questionable with everything that they did. They did two tight ends. They did a bunch of uh, some offensive line guys, yeah. linebackers. They took three linebackers and then um, a, a safety and a, a kicker in the fifth round. So Yeah, they I did mean, not upgrade their weapons, if, if that's what you're saying. They did they not. They did not do yes. that. So we'll see. Uh, the, the only weapon that's upgraded is Cam Newton at this point, and he upgraded from Jared Stidham. So it's complete wait and see. I think there's a, there's plenty that we can expect out of New England. I, I don't expect them to be under eight wins. I can tell you that right now. I still think they're an eight to nine win team minimum. And depending on Cam's health and Cam's ability to take on this offensive role, you know, that could even be higher. But this is a competing team in the AFC East. There's no question about that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. You you can't write them off until you've seen them yeah. not succeed. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. You got to go with your gut on that one. All right, the Saints. I, I want to talk quarterbacks real quick with the Saints because that's really the hot topic. They waited to the end, brought back Drew Brees, two for 50. Only the first year is guaranteed. They can get out of Brees after this year if he wants out or if they want to move on. They also gave Taysom Hill a $16 million extension. Questionable. Because if he's not a quarterback, if he's a weapon, I guess that's okay. That's about second-tier wide receiver slash, you know, fourth-tier quarterback pay. So <laughs> if that's what he is, I guess I understand the price. But the timing is crazy. Why wouldn't they just keep him on the, on the, on the tender for one more year and understand what Drew B's situation was going to be? And then at the aforementioned, they brought in Jameis Winston on a, basically a, a minimum salary. But is he even going to get a look? Is he even the backup quarterback or is Taysom Hill going to come in for those, those plays that Drew Brees missed last year? I, I just, I don't understand the pieces of the puzzle. Uh, I'm not going to knock Sean Payton. He's done plenty of great things over the past five, six seasons. So they must have a plan. Could this just be Scott that COVID-19 is here and it's not going away and they better have three legitimate quarterbacks, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because any one of them or two of them could go down and you need a next man up and, 
they're just well, stocking up here is it's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is Taysom Hill demanded some money because he had a, a halfway decent role in last year's playoff, you know, getting them to the postseason and whatnot when Brees broke his thumb. So it's mm-hmm. possible that they that they stood to lose Taysom Hill either via an offer sheet, offer sheet or just flat out a trade demand. Uh, so they had to give him a little bit of coin because that's really the questionable move is why did why did they have to do that right now? But bringing in Jameis Winston on one point one million dollars, I mean that's that's no risk. Whether he no, plays or no. not, it's no risk. I guess it's more of a questionable move from Winston's standpoint than anything. But uh, we'll see. They are certainly in a good spot from a production standpoint at the quarterback position. And that seems like the right year to do that. Uh, the Giants didn't do a darn thing. So no, they didn't. They tagged, <laughs> they tagged Leonard Williams, which was expected. I don't expect them to extend him. They brought in James Bradbury as a nice option at the cornerback position. Other than that, it's going to be Giants as was. And I think that's right. I did, we saw some good things from them, from, from Daniel Jones, certainly from Barkley. They've got a couple of nice wide receivers that I think could work out. And, and you know, Golden Tate is still a veteran presence on that team. We'll see if the tight end Evan Engel could take a step forward. That's that's really the uh, the key phrase for this team. Can they all take a step forward together on offense? And if so, they're going to be right there with Washington, and you know probably behind Dallas and Philly to some degree. But they'll be in, they'll be competing in the NFC East, in my opinion. Yeah, I I would agree with that statement. Um, yeah, not much to sort say. Sort of. There, yeah, there's not. A, can, like you said, can they step forward? And that's the end there. Take the Jets. Go ahead. Yeah, so the Jets extended their uh, guard, Alex Lewis, and then they signed George Font, three years, $30 million. And then they signed a backup quarterback in Joe Flacco for uh, $1.5 million to go behind Sam Darnold there. So, um, yeah. The, the Jets. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm they didn't trade Baby on Bell. They didn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they didn't they didn't blow it up like a, like a lot of people were anticipating I, they might. I, I think this is a year. I mean, we all thought Sam Darnold was gonna, you know, take a step forward last year, and then he had his issue with uh, mono. Mm-hmm. I think this is a year that if he can stay healthy, this is going to be a definite push forward for him. But you know, th- they don't have they don't have a lot of weapons around him to really make him uh, go out and. Uh, light the town on fire. I mean, the bills at least brought in a, a, a legit number one wide receiver to help Allen move forward. Yeah. But you know, the jets have not done that. Yeah. They drafted Denzel Mims in the second round this year. So that's really the, the move they made, but they, they've got so much question mark right now in terms of the offensive weapons, Le'Veon Bell included. I mean, I don't know if it's hard to imagine him having a bounce back season that can replicate anything he did in Pittsburgh at this point of his career. They certainly going to need that if they want to push forward, but uh, it's a big year for Darnold. And that's really probably what they're thinking as well. Let's not push too many envelopes right now because we got to make sure that Darnold's our guy. And if it's, if he's our guy, this is, this is the year we identify that. And then we start to push elsewhere and bring in some serious, you know, uh, some serious playmakers to go with him and start to extend some of our players to make, make a run at this thing. But yeah, they're they're in they're in a holding pattern right now. Is really what this offseason makes me think about them. Philadelphia <laughs> uh, broke the world when they drafted Jalen Hurts number fifty three overall because there was already so many so many question marks with Carson Wentz and the, that contract and how it's structured. There was there was actually an option built into that to the twenty twenty 
which we really never heard boo about. Clearly from their standpoint, it was always going to be exercise really because it was guaranteed, but I, you know, there's no trading Carson Wentz right now. It's not going to happen. I don't think drafting Jalen Hurts means that Carson Wentz has to go in any form. They did some good work in bringing in a couple of defensive players and Darius Slay and Javon Hargrave from Pittsburgh to shore up the, the backfield and the defensive line a little bit. This is a great team. And if they're healthy, it's going to be outstanding. I mean, if Elshon Jeffrey can get on the field, we, I don't believe he's been cleared yet. So he's really just a dead contract right now, unfortunately, that they can't get out of until next year. But they have brought in weapons. They have tried to do their due diligence and make sure that Carson Wentz has an offensive line in front of him. Speaking of that, Jason Peters has not made a decision on 2020 yet, so there's a chance they lose their left tackle and they have to rebuild and restructure some of the pieces on that, on that line. But I, I know we all freaked out about Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz kind of simultaneously here. This is still a great team. Two really good tight ends. Miles Sanders is, is, a, is a stud playmaker. And, oh, by the way, doesn't this seem like exactly the team who's going to sign Elvin Kamara next year when the Saints don't pay him? I mean, isn't this the yeah. team? This is the team, right? This is where Kamara lives next year, right? And then this whole thing just kind of goes forward would, again. He, he, would fit, he would fit really well of course, on that team. So I think there's brighter I, days in Philly, but 2020 is going to be a solid season in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I do like that Hurts move because he can sit, he can learn, and, you know, if for some reason his stock could rise over the next few years. If Wentz can come into true form and, you know, live out that contract, they could pull a Patriots move and flip Hertz for a team that ends up needing a quarterback, or they just have a quarterback that, you know, can fill in for Wentz when he's injured. So it's, it's a win-win situation having him on their roster. Yeah. I uh, do wonder, I I do wonder if he becomes a trade piece soon and that's, that's the card they were drafting the whole time was some sort of asset. We'll see. It'd be mm-hmm. really interesting because it'd be kind of the first of its kind at that point. I mean, the, the Patriots have certainly done that in their days, uh, you know, with, with Garoppolo and uh, Jacoby Brissett and, and even Matt Castle to some degree. So, uh, you know, they were sort of the barometer for drafting a second round quarterback and then flipping them a couple of years later. We'll see if that's exactly what Philadelphia is thinking here as well. Okay. Pittsburgh quiet. Yeah. Pittsburgh quiet, quiet, quiet. quiet. Yep. Not too but much I like to talk that, about. I like that. I like that tight end signing for for Ben. I mean, I think he's going to like that. Um, Eric Ebron, legit, you're talking about, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Ebron, legit tight end for him to throw to. But otherwise, you're right. They were quiet. They haven't done much. They haven't brought in any extra weapons outside of Ebron that is significant at this point. They got into um, a bit of cap they, hell, and uh, I did some work on on the players that might have had to go. About half of them have gone, uh, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. There was an offensive lineman that got released as well. I'm still not sure they're out of the weeds. There may be another move to be made here to get themselves in financial safety. Um, what I do know is I don't expect them to sign James Conner anytime soon. He, he's up for a contract extension. My guess is he plays out his rookie contract. And Juju Smith-Schuster is, is going to be in money conversation here soon as well. To me, that's questionable as well. I know he's he's shown flashes of being a legitimate wide receiver one, but uh, there's a lot of question marks. Again, this is a team in, in holding a bit. Much better quarterback situation than maybe the Jets are, but you know, and, and not, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that. Ben may, may only have one year left here as well, so you're not going to go and add a ton of uh, a ton of, a ton of laundry if you're going to lose your starting quarterback in 18 months. And you know, I don't think many people love Mason Rudolph as the incumbent as well. So. 
this could be a team that is maybe all in with what they have right now. And then they'll reassess the entire roster in 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. 49ers, the defending runner ups. They moved on from DeForest Buckner. They did extend Eric Armstead basically to the contract they offered Buckner. So they're, they're trying to stay intact here. They moved on from Matt Breida as we expected them to do because of the, uh, really the rise of Raheem Mostert and, they ended up keeping Tevin Coleman because of that, how, the, how that contract was structured. Absolutely no one would take him off their hands. They did trade Marquise Goodwin to the Eagles sort of, as sort of leverage for the injured Alshon Jeffrey over there. So they did get some players out. And then the big move I know is from your neck of the woods, Scott. Go ahead and take it away with Trent Williams. Yeah, Trent Williams for a third and a fifth round pick. Uh, the Redskins finally moved him after Hammond and Hahn. And yeah. kind of, they, they may not even known what they wanted to do with him. And then finally... San Francisco came calling, uh, I believe that was a draft day trade. Um, yeah. And they ended up getting a third and fifth for him. So, I, you know, he's an aging player, didn't play last year. So um, he's had injury issues, but if he can stay healthy and on the field for the one year, uh, you know, that's a great left tackle for Jimmy. Two, two I mean, things on Trent Williams. Uh, the first is, they kind of forced their hand when Joe Staley retired their, their longtime left tackle. So they certainly had a need at the position and they didn't have the draft pick to really go and, and, and get themselves high enough to get one of the big left tackles in the draft issue, even though there were four or five of them. So they didn't want to do that. So, so acquiring Trent Williams made sense, but from Williams standpoint, he, he, he harped and harped and harped that this was not a contractual issue that he knew the money would come, that it was, I just want out of Washington I feel like I got run through the <laughs> run through the garbage can here from an injury standpoint, from a kind from really from every angle, his time was just done in Washington. And he wanted to make that clear. He made it clear because not only did he accept the trade to San Francisco, but he said, no, 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 we can wait on this contract. They, they gave him a little salary advance. They restructured and gave him a little bonus just for, for walking in the door, but they didn't give him any new money. They just basically advanced what he already had. And they're going to do a wait and see on a one-year showcase with Trent Williams now and make sure he's the guy going forward for the next three to four seasons. So he held, he held his word. It was not immediately about money. It was about just get me the hell out of Washington and then <laughs> the contract will figure itself out from there. So I give him credit for that because, you know, many people, when they get traded, it's all about give me that new money right now. Yeah. I, I hope he can stay healthy and move forward and, and, and put the Redskins behind him and, um, Help, help the 49ers move forward here. It should be noted, San Francisco lost both Goodwin and Emmanuel Sanders to free agency as well this year. So they drafted a couple of kids, one of them in the first round, uh, Brandon Ayuk. So they're going to go young. They're going to go dirt cheap on that in the wide receiver situation. Uh, but that may be offset by the highest tight end contract in the history of football soon because George Kittle is clamoring for a new deal, rightfully so. And it sounds like that's getting done. Not sure it's going to reach the $16 million that we have him valued at. Because I basically, I basically evaluated him as a top tight end slash second tier wide receiver, which is where his stats live. Um, it sounds like it might live in the thirteen and a half million dollar range, but it's going to be a ton of coin, and it'll certainly be the highest paid weapon on the Forty ers going forward here. So, it's an interesting uh, off season of adjustments for a team that was the runner up in the Super Bowl. You know, they didn't, they certainly didn't stand pat. That's for darn sure. All right, nope. the Seahawks, uh, nothing, nothing too flashy here. They kept their defensive lineman, Jaron Reed, at two years, $23 million. That's about exactly where he, he belongs financially. 
They acquired Quentin Dunbar from the Redskins, who, again, did move on from a couple of pieces here. Uh, that's a nice move. It's just going to be kind of a role player, a nickel player for them, uh, leverage for them not to have to spend money in their secondary like they, they haven't really done in a bunch of years now. And the big move, of course, was, was signing Greg Olson away from the Carolina Panthers at a reasonable $7 million contract with some incentives built in. Tight end's been a, a void. Like they've brought in a couple of young kids that really had some talent but that just could not stay on the field. Uh, we'll see if they can get some depth at this position now, and it's certainly a need for Russell Wilson. Let me just throw this out there because it's been going around. I've been asked a few times on radio shows and things like that. Uh, they they did draft uh, – actually, they they signed an undrafted quarterback who I know a lot of people have high hopes for, but they didn't address the quarterback position at all from a backup standpoint. And they have, generally speaking, had a, a decent backup to go along with Russell Wilson, who is the highest-paid uh, quarterback in football for at least a second here until we know the actual word on, on Patrick Mahomes. But um, this is a Kaepernick spot for me, Scott. This is a Kaepernick mm-hmm. spot. Pete Carroll has been very, very vocal on a lot of the, uh, on a lot of the social issues, not just the, uh, the COVID stuff, but the social justice side of this and the black lives matters. He's been very, very vocal uh, in, in getting ahead of this and making sure his players and, and him are addressing this together. I think it'd be a very smart landing spot for everybody involved. Kaepernick himself, certainly, you know, that Seattle offense and, and also having Pete Carroll be sort of the, uh, the leader of the clubhouse here to handle all this from a press standpoint. I, I'm not going to say it's going to happen. Cause, and I do think there are other teams that, that could be candidates. I just think this is one of them, not because not just because of Carroll, but because there's a need, there's a need for a backup quarterback here. So, I'm going to put that out there. I don't generally go that route because it's so much speculation, but there's a bit of a, there's a match here. There's no question. There's a match here. So maybe keep an eye out for that one. A, a, mm-hmm. a distant yeah, eye out for that one. Scott, what did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do this year? <laughs> uh, I don't think they've done much at all, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Brady, Gronk, Jason Pierre, Paul extended uh, at this point. What haven't they done? Um, contender what else can you say? I mean, they're, they're going to be a must see watch for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, they're in the news. Tom is keeping them in the news with his illegal or legal workouts that are being filmed on daily basis. Uh, you know, they've got their weapons to that they have around him. I mean, yeah. We'll see how we'll see how they perform on the field. Yes. But, you know, on paper, this team has got to be top top 3, I would think. I mean, in the league? Yeah, I would think so. I think if he can play, I mean, we've seen him being having some decline in New England the last few years, sure. but that could have been because of the weapons that were around yeah, him. They didn't they didn't the, have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. <laughs> And, and the situation with, you know, if there was a rift between him and coaches and his TB12 and his trainer and food, uh, food cook and whatever else that he wanted to bring in, you put all these weapons around. If he cannot succeed with these weapons that he has between Evans and uh, if, if he can't move forward and, and take this team deep into the playoffs – you know, it, it, it will probably have an, an effect on his legacy, you know, 
just because I'll say this. I'll recent, say this the, because of the recency bias. I'll play Stephen A. Smith here a little bit and, and try okay. to punch a hole in it. Uh, two things. You mentioned the decline. There's no question he's declining. He's he's at an age where he better be declining or or there's something seriously wrong. So he is entering an offense that requires a heck of a lot of throwing. I mean, Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions, but it's because he threw 8,000 passes last year. I mean, it is a quarterback-intensive offense, or at least it was. So unless they dial that back a little bit, I'm not sure Brady can can keep up with that kind of caliber high-flying offense. Here's what I'm going to say. I think there's another move to be made. I, I, I really do think Devontae Freeman, who is a free agent running back right now, who was exiled from the rival Falcons, I, I think they bring him in on a dirt cheap contract late in the game here, and they start they use him for 30% of these offensive plays. Because I, I do think on a one-year basis, you know, when you don't have to pay him $9 million, Freeman could be extremely productive. Uh, I, I just think there, there probably has to be a situation where they can dial back the passing game a little bit to make sure Brady can stay healthy because I mentioned it with Breeze. Breeze signed two for 50, but one year, 25 million fully guaranteed. Tom Brady is two for 50 fully guaranteed. So this is a two-year contract, whether they like it or not. So if this is a disaster of a year for Brady and the Bucks, too darn bad. <laughs> too darn bad so, in 2021. So I pulled up Tom Brady versus Jameis Winston stats. Yep. And you, you make the point of he's going to have to throw. Well, I'll tell you what, when he was with New, Tom in New England, threw for 613 attempts last year. Winston, 626 attempts. Their no percentage. Yeah. Yeah, but what's the, what's the average distance per throw? Do you have that in front of you? Because that's what matters. Because Brady's throwing his little one-yard passes. <laughs> that is, that's yeah. a good point. We don't even need well, to know. We know exactly how different that's going to be. But percentage-wise, Brady was at 60.8% throwing. Winston was 60.7. Almost identical. The only difference was the yards. Winston threw for over 5,000 yards, where Tom was just over 4,000. Yeah. And and Tom only threw eight interceptions versus Winston's (laughs) 30 interceptions. So you're you're getting a very similar throwing – Yes and no. Quarterback as far as yes stats. Yes and no, because I just don't think Brady's going downfield anymore, you know? And Winston certainly did that. That's, yeah, and that's a great point. But I'm just saying, you know, for the amount that Brady threw, you know, with the weapons that he didn't have in New England and now sure. he has, you know, maybe he'll be able to throw down the field and it's not necessarily his arm that is an issue. I mean, we're going to find out, and that's why he's trying to – gel with them right now yeah. in, in Florida in, in these workout sessions. So we'll see uh, how it, how it happens on the field. But I mean, if Brady gets hurt, Scott, a, who's the backup quarterback? If Brady gets hurt, do you know? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. Blaine Gabbard. Oh, Blaine man. Gabbard. How, how bad <laughs> is the NFL going to take a hit if Tom Brady gets hurt? And that's the quarterback running out with this hyped up Bucks team. Now. <laughs> Can you imagine? Or, t- or I guess test po- what a pretty test positive, right? Right. It's certainly in the cards. Uh, uh, especially if it's on a marquee yeah. evening game, and Monday he's night football. Got to sit Thursday for two night. weeks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. We don't want to get. We don't want to go down that path at all. No. That's too all many right. what ifs. Two there. more. Tennessee did plenty of damage this offseason, starting with Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback who they decided 
not to franchise tag, not to let walk in free agency, but give him four years, $118 million, 90 million of that basically guaranteed, 91 really, basically fully guaranteed over the next three years. It's yeah, a lot of coin, baby. Uh, my question, I, 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 I bolded this. Do you think this is going to come back to bite the Titans? This could be, th- this could be the one transaction this offseason that stands out like a sore thumb. No question. There's no question because of, because of the girth of it, because of how deep it runs. I mean, it is, like I said, it is locked in for three years. This is going to be the guy or it's going to be some kind of Los Angeles Rams type of dead cap dump just to get out of it because here's what we know. Here's what we know. These veteran contracts, these veteran quarterback contracts are not tradable. Aaron Rodgers might be tradable because he's Aaron Rodgers. But if you're not an absolute elite Hall of Fame track quarterback, they're just waiting out your release. They're waited out Cam Newton. They waited out Andy Dalton. They waited out Joe Flacco. It's just, excuse me, I believe Flacco was traded for a late pick, right? Uh, so he's he's maybe an outlier there. But th- that's the trend we're going on here. So if if... If this doesn't work over the next 18 months, and by the end of 2021, the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill are not a good relationship, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get very ugly. Would would you equate that to potentially a, like the Nick Foles signing with the Jaguars? You know, and I thought about they had to move on from him. Yeah, as I, I was saying it, but to me, this is way more dire. This is a way bigger swing. Yes, they gave up, the Bears gave up a fourth, and they're going to have to guarantee him some money. But it, you're talking 24 million guaranteed versus 91. So. Yeah for essentially the same age quarterback. I mean, Nick Foles is not an old dog. He's just been banged up a little bit here, and he's not, you know, he's not a highly regarded quarterback coming out of it. And Tannehill was the number eight overall pick and just didn't have it with Miami. So, all right, let's do it. Before we finish here, let's do it. Ryan Tannehill, career earnings now before the $91 million kicks in. Ooh. Number eight overall pick in 2012. He's played eight seasons already. Mm, I'll go. Well, he's got to be. He's got to be south of the hundred of Kirk Cousins. So I'm going to go ninety-two, seventy-eight million. Okay, seventy-eight million. After the ninety-one, he'll be at one hundred and seventy million dollars. It's crazy. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. Wow. He could. It could be a complete one-year fluke. There's. There's a. There's a lot of people that think that was just a one-year fluke and everything was was operated on all cylinders. You know. He come, might come out with basically the same team and look completely different again. So uh, I, I hope it works out. I, I was happy to see that Tennessee run last year. That was a good, that was a good, that was good TV to watch really, but they guaranteed a boatload of money. There's no question. Uh, let's gloss over Derrick Henry. I, I, I'm pretty confident Derrick Henry staying on his franchise tag. I'd be very, very surprised at this point if he got an extension. So to me, that's just going to stay as, as it is. Redskins did some damage here. You know, they, uh, they may be, there may be more to come here. You kind of live in that area. I know you listen to a little bit of the radio around there, at least to some degree. Is there optimism for the Redskins? Do we, is it really a holding pattern because the quarterback situation is such a mess or, or undecided? Where are we with the Redskins? By the yeah. way, I should say Washington, right? Because we're changing that name. Yeah, Washington. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that franchise as a whole, I mean, it's just – what are they? Where are they going to go? What are they doing? I mean, <laughs> the only news they, I've heard made... is that Adrian Peterson wants to play like eight more years. <laughs> if that's your leading headline right now, coming out of camp, that's not great. <laughs> no, I mean, and I mean, 
what is their quarterback situation going to be? You know, we've <laughs> seen the Alex Smith documentary. Is he eventually, I'm not saying he's coming back for this season, but is he going to be back? What's Dwayne Haskins going to be doing? Yeah. They traded for Kyle Allen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Again, they're like the Detroit Lions. Who are they? What do they want to be? Here's all you need to know about the Redskins or the Washington football team. I mentioned Adrian Peterson. He's, I guess, the starting running back. Then you've got Darius Geis, who mm-hmm. has got a ton of talent, but so the injuries are just ridiculous. He's a 2018 second-round pick. Then you've got Bryce Love, who was a Heisman yep. candidate, 2019 fourth-round pick. Then you've got Antonio Gibson, who they drafted in the third round this year, who can play. They got four running backs, and do they even have a quarterback? This is really the Carolina Panthers is what this is. They've got four running backs who, if you mash them together, might be close to Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> and then you've got a couple of quarterbacks who might get a chance to start in Allen and Haskins. And who knows if Alex Smith can or tries to return. We know he, he can play some ball, but, boy, I'd hate to see that go no, wrong again. And I guess it's no coincidence you mentioned the Carolina Panthers and look who their head coach is, former Carolina exactly. Panthers. Exactly. I mean, Are they just I mean, bringing that version over to the Redskins? Exactly. Um, how many wins for Washington this year? Mm. assuming 16 games assuming 16 games i'm gonna go four less four all right all right so you're you've got them down there with carolina then they're in the they're in the trevor lawrence conversation yeah i i I don't think they know who they are they're with rivera i'll say this scott their defense is damn good that's a damn good defense yeah but if they can't move the ball and they can't score 25 points a game, (laughs) they're not going to win anything because they're going to get destroyed by 35 points. Even if their defense can show up, they're going to be exhausted by the fourth quarter. So without any offense, that team is not going anywhere and they're not going to win anything. Maybe if you threw, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, I'd give you five wins, but you know, (laughs) with the quarterbacks that they have, I couldn't put money down that they're they're gonna be able to get to to more than four wins. If Alex Smith came back and he was completely healthy and he was the Alex Smith that he was, okay, I can I can get him a little higher. But you know, that's the what ifs so of all what ifs. It is, but he's on the roster, so you you sort of have to throw that out there as yeah. a what if. But they they the weapons that they have. I mean, I'm looking at their, at their wide receiver weapons yeah. and there's only one, maybe two yeah. McLaurin and everybody else. You yeah. really don't know anyone else. Uh, I bet you outside of you, if I asked somebody, give me another wide receiver on that, on, on the, yeah, they, Washington they, they also didn't address the tight end situation. They, they gave, they gave up on, on the oft injured tight end from last year. I'm drawing a blank. Jordan Reed, Jordan Reed. Uh, yep. Vernon Davis retired, so they lost both yep. of their starting tight ends right out of the gate. They replaced it with, you know, a former fifth-round pick and an undrafted free agent out of Green, out of the Philadelphia, Richard Rodgers. You know, experienced players. Uh, keep an eye on this team for uh, uh, David and Joku, who Cleveland oh, has nice. reportedly put on the trade block. Th- this is a this is a destination for a player like that, or even OJ Howard, if Tampa Bay really wants to push him at some point. Any, any uh, you know, legitimate tight end who goes on the block, I'd put Washington in the conversation for that for sure. But again, it's yeah, a team and holding pattern. Yeah, they are. They, they, 
they need some splashy weapons to help these quarterbacks if they're going to succeed. I mean, maybe some of these quarter, these wide receivers, maybe some of these tight ends will, will come out of the woodwork and show us that they have the skills that are going to help the team. But right now, I mean, when you have yeah. only three wide receivers make the top 51 of money, that that's not boding well for a team that there's you know, no question that they felt obligated to give Dwayne Haskins a legitimate chance, right? Yeah. Because yeah. obviously there were opportunities to change the quarterback. This was the quarterback carousel of all carousel off seasons. It was. So they had plenty of, I mean, including Ron Rivera's old quarterback and Cam Newton, they could have brought him on him on probably $2 million and got him because it's, it would have been higher than new England's offer. So they, they either like what they have from an initial standpoint, or they just feel obligated to give him a full season. Uh, but we'll see. It's again, I think four wins is probably about right. If I had to look at the Vegas odds, I bet they're down there close to Carolina. All right. This was long and, and detailed. And uh, anyone who wants to kind of see all these bullet points that we laid out here, I've got the article up on spottrack.com. My thanks to the athletic visit the athletic.com slash spottrack for 40% off your first year subscription, download the app, do all that good stuff. My thanks to dynasty owner, visit dynastyowner.com. Get yourself into a dynasty fantasy football team now. Start to do your research. There's big rookie drafts happening right now with all these players we talked about, really. All these high-profile high weapons are being drafted in dynasty leagues probably right now, early July. So get yourself geared up for that at dynastyowner.com. My thanks to Hit Parade. Congratulations to Dan Morgan, our MLB jer- autographed jersey winner. I'll be posting more about that on Twitter soon. For Scott L., my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trick Podcast.